everybody, welcome to this Board Game Life episode number 67 titled TBGLCon 2024. This is the show about board games, any kind of games, tabletop games, whatever else we want to talk about. I am one of your fine hosts for today. My name is Rob and with me as always, I got my good buddy Mark. Hey Rob, how you doing this fine, beautiful day? I'm doing fantastic. I wish I was gaming right now, but hey. I know. Tell we, me we about have to, it. We have to take a break from gaming to do the show. Yep. Or a break from working and sleeping and everything else that we have to take care of in order to do our gaming. <laughs> and but, I, I will say the one thing different about this show than any other that we've done. Yeah. We got a lot of gaming in. <laughs> yes. It was, if if I was to use one word, it would be glorious. It was <laughs> glorious gaming. How's that? It, it was. I don't Excellent. think I've ever played so many Euros in my life. Maybe that's a sign of things to come. Who knows? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> or not. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... Uh, yeah, we, we should have called it Eurofest or something. Yeah. Not not to be confused with Euros. <laughs> Euro Although fest. there there oh, were some oh, euros, there involved. were euros. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there was a euro platter <laughs> involved <laughs> in the gaming. But anyway, uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover, a lot of games and that stuff that happened. So uh, why don't you start us off with uh, what you've been playing outside of this of board con. game life con? Yes. So prior to the con. I did play um, Citadels with my game group um, just about just, well, it was about two weeks ago tomorrow. So mm-hmm. um, that was the first time for me. It was an interesting game. Um, kind of dug it. <clears throat> Played some more Seven Wonders Architects. Uh, did get some uh, uh, Quacks of Quedlinburg in um, with my group. Again, taught some new people. Um, Dungeon Saga Origins. That's a Kickstarter that I was able to get out um out to the group um i got some people that uh, joined me to play that and um it was really fun it's it's a nice little dungeon crawler i played you so when i bought this i think i talked about this before when i bought it i didn't i thought it was like a dungeons and dragons game that didn't require a dungeon master well there you can play it without a dungeon master, but they, I forgot what it's called. I, it's been two weeks and I've had so many games played over the weekend. I can't remember anything, but, uh, there's a, um, there's like a game master or something like that. I, I and so it's kind of like a one V four. And what we did was I, I, you know, we, there's a, there's a bunch of missions and you're going through a book and, and it shows me like a map. So kind of like it reminds me of like Gloomhaven meets Zombicide. Okay. Um, where the, there's missions and you have maps. It tells you where to put this stuff. Um, but I set all this stuff up and then um, I kind of kind of storyify it a little bit. There is a little story at the start, but then the rest of it's just like a board game and um, I'm basically controlling all the monsters in the game, and the uh, four adventurers are 
controlling them. They're taking their turns, doing their things, trying to, and I tell them what the, what their goal is. Um, and I approached it like, I just wanted to play it and have fun. I didn't approach it like um, me against them. Cause ultimately I want them to succeed. I want them to finish and be successful. I don't really want to like annihilate them. I think that kind of ruins it. I was more of like kind of excited to, without having to really do like the hardcore D and D and character sheets and rolling, you know, doing dice checks for, did you do this or that, or meet this? It's a very simplified, you could, some would say dumbed down. Yes. That's, that's fits me. Perfect. Um, kind of a D and D game with boards and there's, I've got some like the, the box I, I ordered like the legendary version. So I've got this whole thing of like, plastic scenery all these like scenery tiles or not tiles but little scenery pieces and it's a miniature game and <clears throat> so you put a lot of stuff out too and and it was really fun uh we had some really good battles uh the first kind of run through the first mission was pretty pretty easy it was just to kind of get people into the idea of how to do it um and then we got on the second one and we got into a really good battle where the team decided to they were going to split up because they've been kind of walking together through the dungeons. And then the second one was kind of designed to kind of split up a little bit, not forced. I know there's one coming. It's going to force them to split up. But uh, this one, at one point, they decided to like, okay, it's kind of been slow and they split and we're going to go down different paths to go try to get these things to uh, these treasure chests to try to find these treasure chests. Well, they didn't get very far when a new a creature appeared and man just started annihilating one group. And so the other two people had to come running back and then they decided to, <laughs> to stay together from that point. But it was a lot of fun. We're going to continue that group. We're going to get to continue again this weekend and, and play a couple more missions from where we took off, where we left off. Um, and one of the players uh, was asking me, he's like, so was it, what did you like? He's like, you know, do you like, did you enjoy doing the kind of game master or would you rather play? He's like, if you want, he's like, I won't mind, you know, you can, we, I'll swap out with you so you can play as well. And I said, no, I actually had a really good time. Um, you know, even though I'm not in it to win, it's just kind of a, there are things I'm, a, I can do to, you know, I was able to take some people out and stuff, but ultimately I'm not like just trying to make it impossible for them. I just, you know, but I want to make it fun and everyone had a good time and like, yeah, we need to do this again. So that, that was really cool. So that was dungeon saga origins. Um, I'll probably talk more about it next week when we get another couple games on under our belt here this weekend. Um, also I played res arcana, um, and Colorado again, which I really like and got some more gloomhaven in. We're back on a winning streak. Um, we, we had, we we won like twelve straight, then lost like two straight. Now I think we've won two straight. Um, we had to, basically one of our guys did retire. We got him retired, and that um, uh, I think he likes his new character. He's like freaking cool looking. I can't remember what he is, but it looks like Walking Death, like this floating death character. It's really cool. But uh, yeah, that's um, that's what I've been playing up prior to the con. So. Back at you, Rob.
<laughs> yeah, that's a good amount of gaming. Yes, for sure. It's it's been a lot. And, and for for Citadels, um, is that the because there's a deluxe version? There's a regular. Do you know which one you were playing? Was it like in I, a teeny tiny box? Um, or like a no, it box? wasn't in a teeny tiny box. It was like a. It, it was probably like a, a medium sized box. I would say like a medium. Okay. Yeah, there's a couple of releases. Yeah, that that game is, um, well, I think, about 24 years old now. I think that's uh, almost yeah, older out, than. I think it's older. <laughs> yeah, it's like older than anything we've played <laughs> this weekend. I think. I don't think we had anything older. Uh, okay. Yeah it's it was uh, it was good. I liked mm-hmm. it. All right. So. Um, this weekend, this oh, past these weekend. Oh, cards are different. I'm looking at the, yeah. the 2000 edition, and that yeah, is go, not what the cards look like. Yeah, the old Maybe he version. did have a... Maybe he did have the... Let me see if the 2016 edition. Let me see what that is. Oh, yeah, this looks correct. So he had the... Yeah, he's got the 2016 edition. That's the artwork. Um, but I think the box was still like an, a regular sized, medium sized box. Yeah, there's there's a, like three or four versions of this game. So yeah, I was just looking now. Now Z-Man has it. It used to be Fantasy Flight. It's interesting how the games jump around from company to company. Yeah, that is kind of weird. So. But we did have like Asmodee buy half of the gaming world. <laughs> yeah, it did have that. Like I'm looking at the inside of this box. It did have the nice little acrylic um, coins. Mm-hmm. They're like little pebbles. They weren't really coins, but that's like I guess the money. It did have this big honking cat king pawn type of thing. It looks like a castle, big plastic thing that you 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 know moved around to whoever was the king um so i don't know if that's a deluxified version or if that's the normal one but so yeah, let me see yeah, i'm curious now oh 404 error i guess we will never know <laughs> <laughs> you had one job z-man webmaster yeah <laughs> there it goes anyway so yeah this past weekend was this board game life con 2024 um this is the first one hopefully of many and uh yeah mark uh came out to visit me and we hunkered down for a couple of days of gaming so it it was really awesome and uh, being that he came over to me we used my game collection and we played almost anything I wanted. How about that? <laughs> but uh, I, I did some. I think I did some good selections. It's stuff that we had kind of talked about, and I thought that would be interesting, and stuff that uh, I really enjoyed that I could expose Mark to. So, the first game that we started off with, um, actually, I think this was on the night that you got here, wasn't it? I mean, it it was the very night yeah. I got here. Yeah. Yeah, so this was some late night gaming because uh, we didn't get 
back to my house from the airport and stuff until probably like what 10 o'clock ish or maybe even later but uh, um i think it was later yeah, even maybe around 11 yeah so yeah the the first game that we played was downfall of pompeii so this is uh, a little bit of an older game uh that was released many 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 moons ago and um I know I've talked about it in the past, and this is one of my uh, favorite games. This game holds a special place in my heart for multiple reasons, not because I stepped on the box like six months ago and I crushed the corner of it. I got to show Mark the damage that I did. It, it but, hurt, uh, man. That's, yeah. That, was, that, that sucks. <laughs> yeah. But no components were harmed in the crushing of the corner of the box with my big old heel. See, that's one thing. Like, if you're walking and if you step on something with, let's say, like, the front part of your foot, you can usually get by okay. Because you'll feel it, and then you might not necessarily put all your weight on it. But if the heel's going on it, yeah, there's there's nothing that you can do. But uh, the gist of this game is actually pretty cool. It's a game that's played in a couple of different uh, phases. The first phase, you have this map of the city of Pompeii, and there's a volcano in the corner of a board. And it's got a plastic, like, cone-shaped volcano with an opening at the top. And uh, you start off by placing your people in the... You have a little like villagers. You place them into the into the city on in various buildings. There's a whole mechanic for placing them in special places, and and you're also dealing with cards as well. Um, the cards tell you where to place the people, and then uh, after everybody places their people, um, the phasing changes, and now. I think they call it "Run for Your Lives." <laughs> it's the yes, yeah, is the name of it, which is pretty right on. So Mount Vesuvius uh, erupts, and now everybody's trying to get out of the city um, so that they don't become, uh, you know, uh, toast literally. And and there's this cool mechanic in there where I I know I've talked about this before, where when you uh, you you well you move this lava around and you can actually like uh, kill people. <laughs> I guess it's not it's not the best sound, right? Uh, of, of what you do, but uh, you can direct lava towards people and you can block them in the city. At which point they're removed from the game and you chuck them into the volcano. Very satisfying, very fun. Well, it's more fun when it's somebody else's pieces than your own, but still. And uh, and then basically the person who gets the most people out is the winner. And uh, yeah, I thought this is—I I love this game. It's uh, it's quick, it's easy, and it's a lot of a lot of fun. Like, uh, what what did you think of it? I really enjoyed this game. I I remember when I've heard you talk about it before. <laughs> um, I, I just like, yeah, here's another one of Rob Zero games, and. Even when you pulled it out and set it out, I'm just like, this looks horrible. Like, it just <laughs> artwork. didn't, it wasn't pretty, you know? No. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's definitely an older game, but 
at first when you were explaining it, it's like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna put your people in here and you're gonna put them based, you know, all these different rules and and then it's like, then this is gonna happen and then you're gonna get them, take them all out. And I'm like, and I was just like, at first I was like, well, why are we putting them in there? Like, what's the point of putting them in there? But you know, it it it's like you know, yeah, the more people you get in before the thing starts to erupt then the the more people you have to get out you know and that's that's the goal get as many people you out as possible so um it was really fun i i'm i really did and you've talked before about how satisfying it is to drop the other players uh, little meeple into the volcano <laughs> and it is i remember looking at you the first time like ah i got to do it to you Punk. many times i might add yeah <laughs> Um, but yeah, it, it was really fun to like, <clears throat> I think you made a comment while we were playing. It was like, it's like multiple games in one. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, at first you're, 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 you're placing them, you know, trying to put them in certain places and you're trying to kind of strategize like, well, I want to put them where I can get out, you know, you knowing that they're going to have to leave. And so you're trying to, you know figure out kind of where do you want to put them and doing your best options and then using the abilities to like, Oh, maybe I can place two this turn or three of, you know? And um, so there was like that kind of strategy of trying to think ahead and plan your moves and put your people before all chaos breaks out. And then when chaos breaks out (laughs) and you're trying to go to an exit and all of a sudden boom, it's covered in lava and you're like, ah, now you're trying to reroute. And I, and by the end of the game, I was like, I had, I think three people left out and you had cut off my exit and I had one exit. I had to get these three people. And basically they had a path. They would have to go down this corridor of lava. Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, they're never going to make it. And they didn't. (laughs) Yeah. That, that would have taken probably seven, eight moves at least. Yeah. To get them to hobble all the way there. And then I just closed off that whole section. That closed off what? Probably one third of the map at least. If not more. Oh, yeah. 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 So the sweet taste of victory. Yes. And uh, yes. Rob did win that game. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> So, so it was his first of many. Yes. And then, uh, so after that one, oh, and I wanted to mention that that game is by Klaus Jürgen Rede, which is uh, the designer that also did Carcassonne. So it was uh, Carcassonne he did in 2000, and then Downfall of, of Pompeii he did uh, in 2004. So it came shortly after Carcassonne. And and it's that makes it a twenty year old game now. Wow. Anyway, so then uh, the next game that we played was Deep Rock Galactic. You want you want to take that one? Oh, so much fun! I oh, you know yeah. this this is uh, I was so excited to to play this, and Me too. I. So this was the next. Mo- so we played just the one game that first night I got in because. Um, like I said, we got in late, um, and we played the one and it's like, okay, we're going to hit the rack and I traveled and 
So it's like, we'll get started early the next day. So the first thing, and Rob's got a stack of games on his table. Like, he's just like, I got all these. He's like, they're just suggestions. Well, Deep Rock was sitting there like on the floor behind my chair. And I'm like, I picked it up and put it on the table and just grinned. And I'm like, because I'm like, I want to play this. I, I, you know, I bought this for Rob. Um, I made, I, I told you, you had to have it. You just had to have it. Yep. And so, because this is that video game that Rob turned me on to. And it's a huge, it, we just both love this video game. I really like the board game. So I wanted to make sure to play some with Rob. So we went, sat down. Um, and we went through the first two missions of the game um, and to just kind of run him through. And, and um, you know, again, it's kind of like a um, uh, kind of like one of those like a zombicide where you are following a book. Like there's a book and it'll tell you how to set up the map, where to place the loot, where to place the monsters, where to place like the stalagmites. Um, and then you basically have, you know, certain actions you're allowed to do on your turns and you've got to go get all these certain materials. You got to go down into the cave, dig your way through into other caverns, find the required loot and then get out. Um, while monsters and creatures, the bugs as they're called, will, will continue to spawn in and try to keep you from uh, getting back out alive. And so we these are early missions so they weren't really tough but uh i had a blast playing this i i, yeah, I played this solo it's set up on my table i'm like halfway through the mission book um and i'll i'll probably be working on it again uh, this week i want to finish it up so i can move on to another one um but i i've talked about it before so i want to know rob what you thought of deep rock galactic the board game the one thing that I really have to say about this game that I, I'm pleasantly surprised, and, and I love that this is the case, is that it is 100% a board game adaptation of the game. It has every aspect of the game, I think, for the most part, and they, they pulled it off, and they pulled it off so well. I, I think you made that comment of, you know, while we're playing, it's like you can almost hear that annoying guy from Mission Control, <laughs> like, you know, doing his little speech. <clears throat> but uh, the, the game is so well done, including all of the pieces and adapting everything from, you know, tunneling to, you know, mining for, you know, various uh minerals to fighting the bugs you know because uh that's one thing it's like how do you how do you represent a swarm right in a in a board game adaptation it's really easy to do in a video game you know where you're it's basically like a you know a shooter uh first person shooter and how do you also do the capabilities of the dwarves so if you're unfamiliar if listeners are unfamiliar with the game uh, Deep Rock Galactic, the video game, there's four different dwarves that are mining the planet Hoxies. And there's a, a gunner, an engineer, a driller, and a scout. Every dwarf has a different capability. 
for example, the scout has a, like a, what do they call it? A zip gun? So it's like a gun that um, shoots a, a grapple hook. A grapple. a grapple hook. Yeah. So he's got a, a grapple gun that shoots a, you know, a grapple all the way across the room and he, he like zips to that spot. The driller can drill through the, um, through the stone or the walls dirt uh, extremely quickly. The engineer can put down platforms um, in various places. And then there's the gunner who's kind of like the, the big time weapon guy, right? He's, he's got the most powerful weapons. And, you know, true to the video game, an engineer can throw platforms across, like, uh, like cavernous areas. The, which, which one was the one, was it the, uh, the gunner that does the zip lines? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the gunner can do the zip lines. And so every character every dwarf has the same abilities as the video game and you have the same monsters that are in there like these little spiders these bigger dudes and uh it's recreated so well and and when you're playing the board game so in the video game you have usually two things that you need to accomplish like collect this kind of mineral and then maybe i don't know collect uh these apaca blooms, like these little flower things. So you need to accomplish those things. And and each of the campaigns, each of the missions in the board game, they have a similar type of thing where there's certain things that you need to accomplish. So you get dropped in, you try to accomplish your mission, survive the threats that you get from all of the nasties in the area, accomplish everything and then get out. That's how you complete the mission. So you go get back to the drop pod and so well done. So well done. I had a great time and uh, I was actually thinking about it today. I'm like, hmm, I wonder how, how Mark and I can continue. You know what? I, I think it's on tabletop simulator. So maybe, hmm, maybe we can continue uh, oh, prior really? to, uh, this board game life episode, or not episode, <laughs> con number two. That's going to be a, a little ways away. But yeah, I think we can uh, continue together on uh, Tabletop Simulator. I've I've got it. So I I just wonder if uh, if there's a cost to the uh, to that to those files. But uh, yeah, I had a great time. As as much as uh, I love playing the video game, I love the board game as well. I was actually wondering if if we were going to do like maybe the third mission on uh, on Sunday, but we sort of ran short on time. Yeah, mm-hmm. we had so many things to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Though the one thing that I would say though is. I wish that box was maybe like half an inch bigger. <laughs> it it seems like it's just a little bit shy of where it needs to be to get everything into uh, to fit properly. But it's it's fine. It's okay. Anything okay, to me, add? I need I need a minute. I got to mute. <laughs> okay, no worries. 
All right, I'll move on to the next game that we played. So the next game is uh, Turn and Taxis. So this is an older game. It's been around forever. And it's about the exciting topic of the German postal system from like 100, 150 years ago. <laughs> What's not the love? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, yeah, when you look at the board, it, it reminds me of uh, those muted brown beige colors <laughs> where like nothing really pops and everything kind of blends together. But uh, the, I think the gameplay kind of makes up for it. It's, it's a fun little game. The, uh, what this one is, is, if you're unfamiliar, is that um, it's kind of like a variation of Ticket to Ride, sort of, where you have a bunch of cities uh, strewn across the map. And there's roads in between the cities. You know, Ticket to Ride, you're, you know, you're building like the tracks in between the cities here you're and, and connecting, you know, to get your rewards at the end of the game. Like if you could do the longest run or, or whatnot. So along the similar lines of, you know, building paths, what you're doing is you're drawing cards and you're building a route in front of you by arranging the cards, which have city names on them you're arranging them in a path and it has to be a contiguous path. Each turn you can add to the end of it or to the front of it. Um, but you have to add, you know, to the front or the back, you can't add to the middle and you're trying to make a longish route. And then once you score it, you put your, uh, your little houses, in the cities. Now the map is divided up into regions and uh, there can be anywhere from one to, I don't know, maybe like eight to 10 uh, cities within each region. And when you close out your route to score it, you can either put your houses in all of the cities in your route within one region, or you can put in uh, cities into I'm sorry, you can put your houses into cities uh, like one per region. And in the end, you're trying to get, you're trying to claim as many cities uh, with your houses as you can. And then also trying to make the longest routes that you can. And uh, I've had this game for many, many years. I've even got the expansion. And I want to say that the, the base game is so much fun. I don't know if I even need the expansion. I've only played it a couple of times and never gone back to it. But uh, the game's just a lot of fun. It's, uh, you know, it it scratches that, like, route creation itch. You, you feel like you've accomplished something, you know, pretty nice, and you're working well to discard your cards and to kind of, like, improve your odds of, of getting the right card. Oh, and... And I want to mention you do have an ability that you can use every turn. Like there's a draw deck or a draw market with six cards. You can, you know, wipe all of those and refresh them. You can, um, you know, play Best extra cards. Ever. Yeah, that was like, that was the thing that uh, you used like towards the end of the game. I think almost every single time. I used it a lot in the game. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't help you, <laughs> or did it? I don't remember who won that one. 
but uh, it's probably that would be you. Yeah, but uh, yeah, turn attacks is awesome. Uh, any any thoughts on that, or do you think it uh, has some similarities to Ticket to Ride at all, or am I just kind of? I I remember telling to... you that. Um, I think we skipped a game. We did. I I just realized I missed one on our list. No worries. Um, add it in. I'll, I'll add it in uh, to yeah. this one after this. <clears throat> but um, so I was checking. Yes, you did win. Um, I I when I pulled up the image tonight, I remember telling you it reminds me of a game, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And as soon as I pulled up an image tonight of the board, I was like immediately had thought of Power Grid. So I okay. I think. It, it's not it's not that the game reminds me of power grid i think it was the map there or the 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 coloring there was there's just something about it and i was like it, it it does remind me of ticket to ride but it was more of like something else and i think it was power grid <clears throat> and i think because it's the little houses you're putting your little houses in the towns and it's kind of like power grid you're doing the same thing once you're able to and you're claiming routes you're you're getting these routes of power um, and here you're doing the, like the mail routes or whatever. So you're putting your stuff in these towns. I mean, it works different. They're not, they're nowhere near close to the same, but that's kind of what it's like, kind of, that's what the game was that I couldn't think of the other day that it, there was just something about it reminds me of it. But I remember again, pulling this one out, looking at the box going, I can't even print up. What is this Thurn? <laughs> turn and taxi it's like it's like turn and turn taxis. And taxis yeah and i'm just like what is this i'm like you know okay whatever you know another one of these rob games but mm-hmm. i'm like i'll let, okay downfall of pompeii was was good i'll give him a shot at this and i really thought <laughs> yes. i wasn't gonna like this but i really did enjoy this game it really what i like that like you you can pick the different people to use like the postmaster or you know the whatever you know you could <clears throat> I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what they were like again there were so many things we played but being able to wipe the cards or being able to um like placing like multiple buildings or multiple houses in a region or in different regions to kind of get out and explore more and then trying to get in all the regions to get the bonus tile and, you know, just those different types of options that were available to you just made the game a lot of fun. And even though I, even though I didn't win, I don't think I was that far off. Uh, no, it was close. I'll have to go. I can go in and see. Um, yeah, it was 19 to 27. Um, but I never felt like completely out of the game. So, so that was, that was nice. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. It really was not that hard to pick up. Uh, I feel like I caught onto it fairly quickly. Yeah. Though one thing that is kind of uh, tough with that game is there is a little bit of spatial visualization kind of, cause you're trying to, lay out your route with cards in front of you and then translate it on the map looking (laughs) at the roads right you're you're going from salzburg to ulm to you know 
what well, Simgarten, and yeah, you know, you're trying to look at your hand of cards that you have with cities, and see like, well, you know, can I put one of these down? It's like, where where's this card on the map? Is it yeah. connected to the front or the end? Which card do I need to to draw from the market to uh, to like get me to that one? And it's it's just interesting. It's it's a very different different game. And uh, yeah, that one was released in two thousand six by Andreas Seifarth. Yeah, he made Puerto Rico. That was a, a very, po- very, very, very popular game. Yeah, Puerto Rico, San Juan was another uh, super popular game. I was actually thinking about pulling out uh, San Juan, but uh, <laughs> we didn't get there. Anyway, um, do you want to cover the next one? Yeah, because we, um, I, I, you might have to refresh. Well, yeah. Yeah, I saw, I see it. Okay. So we actually did play two games the first night. Um, oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, we did. Um, we played Finca. Um, the, that was the second game that we actually played. We played that after Downfall Pompeii. Oh, yeah. And, um, I think, um, maybe it was the first game in the morning. I don't, I don't it doesn't matter, but it was the second game we played cause I got it listed here. So we, uh, you brought up Finca again. I'm looking at the box like, what the heck is this? But I remembered you talking about this in a previous episode. And I remember seeing this big, huge windmill and which I think, um, is, uh, called a rondelle, I believe. Yes. <clears throat> and so I'm like, yeah, this looks cool. But then I was just like, when I remember when we started this, I was just like looking at this again. And I'm, I don't know why I like judge a book by its cover, right? They always tell you, don't judge a book by a cover. Well, don't judge a board game by its cover or the description on the back of the box either. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but I was just like, oh, this looks just, I didn't think I was going to like this, you know? And when we started playing it, and we started to get, you know, get into it. It it was a lot of fun. I really like the way that like you had to decide are you going to move around and collect your your fruits on the rondelle or are you going to um what you, well, we were selling them, right? Or we yeah, we were getting them and then buy then you could pick the pieces up in the certain the markets or whatever and grab the tile for the points and stuff. So you're trying to get all these different things to try to, I want that tile, I want that tile. They give me the most points, but then you're limited to how you're allowed to move on this rondelle in a very interesting way. And I, I was like, man, Rob keeps getting the donkey carts to be able to go to town and sell his goods. And I'm like, I can't seem to get these as quick as him. And, and it was just all about like where you're moving and then how many people are uh, on your spot allows you to move extra spaces. And it, it was just really cool mechanic of how you moved around the board. I, I really did like that. And overall, the game is a lot of fun. I really did enjoy it um, yeah. in the end. And it's got this uh, interesting mechanic where 
you have the rondelle with the windmill blades and then your workers are on the various blades of the windmill so every, so the the windmill blades themselves are tiles that you randomly put down at the beginning of the game so technically every game randomizes that the windmill and each tile has a fruit on it there's what oranges lemons olives almonds figs and grapes i believe that's all of them yeah and yeah so you have each each windmill blade has a different fruit on it and what you do is you move clockwise around the rondelle using how many workers there are on your starting blade so if there's three workers you get to move three windmill blades um around the windmill and then on the blade that you land once you're there you count the amount of workers and then that's how many of that fruit that you get so if if your piece is the only one there you get let's say like one lemon if there's two other ones when you land for three total then you get three lemons so that makes it interesting because not only are you trying to collect the different fruit think of it kind of like uh, you know like a pickup and deliver game right where you know you you pick up the various fruit and then you deliver them to the city that's kind of like the gist of it of the game but you're also now because of this mechanic on the rondelle you're you're thinking to yourself well i need lemons but if i move this piece i can get three oranges whereas if i go anywhere i can only get one lemon so it makes sense to get more of the fruit um, which will hopefully help you later on in the game and and it's got something that that uh definitely spices up the game a little bit although we did not trigger this at all uh in our game probably because we played two player and that's that the fruit in the game are finite if it ever gets where gets to be where one fruit is depleted like all the way in the uh in the supply then for example if all the oranges are gone so mark and i had all the oranges if i go onto a spot and there aren't enough oranges in the supply then we everybody in the game has to return all of their oranges to the supply so that i get my oranges so that makes it kind of interesting where buddy i I know right store is empty (laughs) yeah we got um, a couple of fruits away from triggering that but we never i mean we were pretty good at you know just cashing out uh fairly quickly but that that's one way to get around people hoarding you know a particular fruit or a resource <laughs> and that can definitely change the game that can definitely like hose a lot of people right like yeah. if you're if you're trying to get like six of a kind you know for one, some of the big cards or something like that and then all of a sudden you know you had five you know five lemons and you're trying to get that last one and then mark you know takes everything and now you, you know, now you have to give them back and start all over that's uh it's a fun little that's a fun little rule but uh yeah it's, it's a good old game uh it got reprinted like five six years ago so there is a a new a newer version it's uh this one is wolfgang sentker and ralph zerlind uh 
back from 2009. Let's see, what else did he do? Wolfgang Sentker did Animals on Board. Yeah, that one came out like five, six years ago. And then Ralph Zerlind, he did one of my other favorite games, Pergamon. That was one of the ones that I almost pulled out as well. Really, really fun little game. But uh, we good with that one? Yep. Okay, moving on. Uh, the next game that we played was Alhambra. So this is the original uh, version of Alhambra, although it we played the newly redesigned version. Uh, what do you call it? The revised edition revised. that Queen came out with uh, a little while ago. Um, I got it on Kickstarter uh, sometime, I want to say, late last year. And uh, I was telling Mark, there's a, a funny story about that Kickstarter where they came out with uh, Alhambra, the Red Palace. And that was the one that I was really interested in. And then I saw that there was a, a revised edition of the original. And I've got the big box edition of the original, which is a big box. Uh, it's a big pain in the butt box to store. That's what it is. <laughs> it's called big box for a reason. <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, yeah, you could have walked home with that one. And I say walked home because it wouldn't fit in the suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> so you wouldn't have flown home with it. But uh but yeah, so we we broke out the revised edition. It was the first play in the revised edition, so we uh, we had the new uh, Game Factory smell while we played that Alhambra classic game, where you have four kinds of currency. So you you have cards that you're drawing from a market, and they're in four different colors. So you use those to buy uh, tiles that you're placing on your play area in front of you. So they're little carcassonne shaped tiles, so little squares, and you're trying to build out your Alhambra uh, from a central fountain. And you're trying to build it up, up, down, left, right. And at the same time, you have a wall on the various sides of your of your tiles. And you're also trying to make the longest outside wall. So if a wall goes inside, it doesn't count. And what I mean inside is like if the wall is not around the perimeter, if it if it goes inside at all, that doesn't score you anything. So think of placement sort of like Carcassonne, but it's actually a lot more challenging because that wall really makes it difficult to place tiles. And you can definitely kind of box yourself in so you can't put new tiles in. However, the game does get around that by allowing you to actually move your pieces around. So you get this like little resource board. I forgot exactly what it's called. But as part of your turn, you can take a building tile, like a, they have a I don't know, a handful of different ones. There's like parks and there's like an arcade, there's a tower. I believe there's like six different kinds. But you can take a building from your central play area, put it on your resource board, and then put it back on a subsequent turn. 
I think what it what was it you can on your turn you can play you can play from the resource board, pull from it, or swap. Wasn't that the the different actions that you could do? I think so. I don't know. That was a lot of gaming. It was a lot of gaming. <laughs> Some of the games yeah. are blended together a little bit, but uh, but it does let you rearrange your uh, Alhambra to get better placement of the wall tiles in particular, but it comes at the expense of slowing you down because now your opponents can be you know ahead of you. They can they can run away with the game. But uh, it's a classic game, a lot of fun, and uh, it's a game that I, I definitely enjoy now that I have, what, three versions of it? <laughs> and and I'm glad we got to play it. Any thoughts I on it? I just don't like, I just didn't like uh, Dirk the Jerk. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so when you play two-player, there is a, you know, a third-player virtual player um, that draws tiles it doesn't really participate in the game but uh but dirk the jerk we, we call them the jerk uh <laughs> he's just dirk in the rules um yeah dirk took uh you know what six tiles so uh he helped exhaust the tiles and then also he was scored on the tiles as well and what was funny yep. was that um Dirk kind of led in a couple of the, <laughs> a couple of the buildings cuz you're trying to collect buildings that are the same. Yeah. And uh yeah, he was he was ahead of both of us for a little while. <laughs> which which I got a kick out of. <laughs> yeah. But uh but yeah, that was Alhambra and uh that's uh the designer on it is Dirk Hen, so I think that's why they had uh, Dirk in there as the as the um, you know virtual player. And 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 Mr. Hen, we're not calling you a jerk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the virtual Dirk. Exactly. <laughs> he kept stealing all the good tiles. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and this is another game that's uh, fairly old. This one's two thousand three. So 21 years old. Good game though. Good yeah. enough that uh I I'll put it this way. I um when the game was over, I pulled my phone out and uh ordered a copy and it was here before I got back home. <laughs> nice. So and it's uh I need to punch it to open the box, <clears throat> punch and prep, because I'm taking it with me tomorrow night to game night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And just so you know, there is a Alhambra card game and Roll and Write. Actually, the Roll and Write was right behind you um, in uh, the stacks on the floor. And uh, I totally forgot about it, but there's another one that I was thinking. I'm like, hey, let's play this one fairly quick. It, the Roll and Write plays very quickly. Are you ordering it right now? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm right. not ordering it. I already did. No, <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. Oh. All right. So that takes us into the next game. Oh, by the way, I will say that Alhambra 
was the first game I won <laughs> of the weekend. <coughs> so maybe that's why you that, bought it. Uh, maybe, maybe that might have something to do with it, but um, probably not. But anyways, the next game was Roll Through the Ages, the Bronze Age. This is um, done by uh, ooh, who? The designer is Matt Leacock. And um, published by Eagle Griffin Games, I think is the last oh, the, one. The original one was Thomas Lehman. The original designer? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I got it backwards. You're right. It is Matt Leacock for the first one. The second oh, one had a different designer. Aha! And that see? was Tom Lehman. <clears throat> Don't you go against BGG. I'll mm-hmm. report you. Um, published by Eagle Griffin so, Games. Well, there's a bunch of people that publish this game. I don't know which one you had, but. So I was going to say, you familiar with Matt Leacock? Do you know what else he made? Um, I'll know in just a moment. <laughs> Pandemic. <laughs> and there's another 40, one that. 49 other games. Forbidden um, Island. Oh, really? Yeah. He, so he, he did that whole series, like Forbidden Island, Sky, Jungle. Yeah. Man, those are so hard, too. I like Forbidden Sky. It's like the one that most people hate, but it's so freaking hard. <laughs> so, but yeah, yeah. And, and of course his games are, I mean, pandemic, those are not meant to be easy games. So he likes to put the pain to us, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. All right. And, and he also uh, did Ticket, Ticket to, to Ride, Ride Legacy. Legacy. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, but, uh, yeah. So anyways, this, uh, trying to remember this one again, there's so many, this was the one with the little hardwood with, yeah, the, pe- yeah. with the pegs. Yeah. The first yeah, this one. was really cool. The, um, if I recall, I think I liked the first game better. I think, um, I, I like it better as well. The, Oh yeah, because we did. Uh, yeah, so yeah, th- this was fun. At, at first, I was like, really kind of, I think, struggling with trying to figure out what we were supposed to do. But it's actually a really simple game. Like once you got it, it's like very simple to do. It's like um, it's like Yahtzee a, game, basically. Yeah, and there's a lot of strategy, like how you're, where you're gonna, how you're gonna use your dice. What? Oh, that's in a different language. Um, what upgrades are you going to do? Or I don't, they didn't call them upgrades, but. Um, oh, they were, so you had monuments and. Oh, what were they called? Developments. Developments. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, and those can give you bonuses on your rolls and stuff like that. And it was just a lot of fun. And then like you get that, that I thought it was interesting, like the whole skull, like if you roll a skull, that thing that comes out. You can't re-roll it, and now it's like, um, was that a catastrophe? Yeah, it like um, locks your dice, and then it's uh, like a disaster. Yeah. Well, and not then, a disaster. Uh, yeah, yeah, disaster. Yeah, disasters. Yeah. So I remember like having two, and it's like, I'm going to take the hit, but if I can roll one more skull, then that the disaster goes to the other player. <laughs> and I'm like, heck yeah, and I was able to do that one time. Um, and then like, yeah, which, which monuments are you going to send your people to work at? You know, you can get a point by going to the small one or do you work on the medium one or go after the large one and try to, 
get that right away to max the points and just it was just a really i think a fun game it was fun i think it went relatively quick and There's, it's got you know it's got that cool pegboard which that's not yeah. something that you see in any game it's it's a little right. maybe like what quarter inch tall block of wood with some holes drilled into it and then you move these little pegs to keep track of your resources yeah i really liked that it was uh I was surprised. I was like, man, I don't, you don't see these things, you know, that's it's wood. And then the dice were wooden and the dice were chonky too, man. They were big. Um, but uh, yeah, it was, I really enjoyed it. Um, definitely like this one uh, as opposed to, I think the sequel. Um, I did like the bronze age a lot. And I want to say this is like one of the first Roland rights, really. Although it's not really roll and write, it's more like roll and circle, or roll and <laughs> thicken the fill in the uh, checkbox. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And after the Bronze Age, we played the Iron Age, which uh, is kind of like the sequel to it, where it continues kind of like where the Bronze Age left off. It still has the wooden dice. It has the pegboards. Uh, It actually comes with a third or a a different kind of pegboard. There's like an expansion that's built into the Mediterranean. Uh, We played the base game, and it takes the mechanics of the Bronze Age, where you're rolling the dice Yahtzee style, and you have goods and skulls, and it adds combat and ships and like ship trade as well with ports and what was the other one provinces was what were the two things that we built i'm having a hard time remembering yeah ports and provinces ports and provinces yeah so it works similar to the original but it's definitely a little more gamery and a little more uh, complicated uh, than the Bronze Age. And I was thinking, because I've played both, and it's been some time since I played Iron Age, and I just remember thinking that, uh, yeah, between the two, I really like the Bronze Age. And I was kind of wondering about the Iron Age. Like, it's also a fine game. It continues where the Bronze Age left off, but I almost, when I when I play it, the thing that I'm thinking is like, oh, it's not the Bronze Age. I just really like that one. <laughs> and yeah, no, and no knocks on Iron Age. It's it's a fine game. It's definitely a little more complex, but the Bronze Age, uh, you know, definitely is like really smooth to play and and fun. Well, now that I look back on this, yeah, I got to say the Iron Age is better because Once, that's the one that I won. I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> I won that game. Mm-hmm. Duh, I mean, I should I should have known better. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I did. I, I, I do like the bronze. I preferred that. But I think maybe maybe it's one of those. It's like if you play it enough times. Maybe you might prefer the the Iron Age or something, because mm-hmm. it does add more to the game. But again, it almost feels like one of those expansions that you don't really need. Because the first one was so good as it was. Um, yeah. 
I think I liked the ability in the the bronze one to did with the different types of goods. Um, where this one is just like you're getting goods, period. Mm-hmm. Everything's like lumped in. You're not separating your wheat and your stone and your stuff like in the original game. So um, they, they kind of took that away to add in the combat and stuff like that. So yeah, it's like Which, battling and conquests and. And you get tributes. Tributes, yes. So. So, yeah. So that was uh, Roll Through the Ages, uh, Bronze Age, and Iron Age. Done by two different designers, nonetheless. Tom Lehman and uh, Matt Leacock. So then uh, the next <laughs> thing, I think we went on to the next day now. Um, so I, yes. I think this so is this, now that... like full day number two. So this is now moving into Saturday morning. And we started off. Yeah. This was my first disappointment of the of the of the event. <laughs> yeah, for for multiple multiple reasons I think really. <laughs> we played it wrong for uh for a good chunk of it. Why don't you go ahead? All right. So yeah. Um, the game we're talking about is Uchronia, um, <coughs> excuse me, which um, is by Carl Chuddick and published by, I think you, you call, I think you say yellow. I would say I yellow, yellow, yeah. yellow. Okay. Um, so it's published by yellow. Um, and again, Carl Chuddick is a designer. Um, it's when it, when we first started, I was like, oh, okay, this looks like or, it's... All right, let me, before you, before you continue, let me just say like the background of it real quick. So Uchronia is a redo of Glory to Rome, which is a classic Carl Chuddock design. And, you know, lots of stuff happens to Glory to Rome. Um, it's been out of print forever for some reason. Uh, it had some fumbled reprints or a reprint, the black edition that, didn't go so well and uh, you know one of the things against glory to rome that a lot of people complain about including myself is the artwork it's just brutal it's uh it's it's not the best and uchronia took glory to rome and reskinned it in like this fantasy city called uchronia where there's like what people and dinosaurs you know like I guess you have like talking dinosaurs, maybe. I don't know. But uh, it it's thematically, I think, a little more interesting than Glory to Rome. But it's definitely not as highly ranked because uh, there are some differences with the game. It is not the same game with a new skin. But uh, yeah, that's the background on it. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go, go ahead. That's okay. It's just allowing me to eat my dinner. <laughs> okay. Oh, you got your dinner. Yeah, where's um, Where's mine? I don't remember you ordering. It, it's me. there. He's heading your way. Oh, okay. So I'll be here tomorrow. We were just closer, so he stopped there here for yeah. us. So. Okay. Um, the game. It's. I like. I don't know how to. Say, it's like. <clears throat> I didn't hate the game. I liked it. In fact, I remember we played it. And then we, I, I believe this is when we left. Yeah. 
So we played we went the to game lunch because yeah. we got up. We actually got up late that this morning. Um, I was tired, so I, I should say I got up late. I think you were up early waiting on me. <clears throat> but um, so we played one. It took us a while to get through it because I was like not comprehending the rules. And so by the time we got done, we decided we we're going to go downtown Chicago, go to this place that we love to eat and have lunch. And then we got stuck in in traffic. Imagine that. But basically, we were gone so long that because then you wanted to take me to your two favorite game stores, which was awesome. So we kind of just did some shopping and eating and stuff. Um, But it was one of those when we finished the game. You asked me, did you want to play it again? And I was like, yes, because I didn't want to make a judgment off one play because I wasn't like feeling it. But it was like I felt like there was something there that I might be able to get Salvage. on board with. Yeah. And so we came back. And so we didn't immediately jump into it. We're talking, what was it, like six, eight hours later before we got back to the house. <clears throat> um, and we went right back in and played it again. It And we had realized what we were doing wrong the first time. So, which was an improvement but by the end of it, I still, I still felt like, I think my frustrations were just like you to get an activity up, you have to get it into your stock. So you have to have like, it has to be either in your hand or in the forum in the market. And then you have to, you have to have the right card to pull the right card that you want, but then you got to put it no matter if it's in your hand or in the form, it has to go into your stock. Then you got to get another card that allows you to take it from there to put it up into the activities. So it's like everything felt like you had to do three steps to make one turn. And And that's by design. And I I understand that. And I get that. It just, for me, it was kind of frustrating that it just seemed like I couldn't like get things going when I need it either time, either time we played through it. Um, so it's one of those, it's like, I didn't hate it. It was like, I wanted to like it because I thought it was like, I did enjoy like looking at the buildings, grabbing a building and then working to construct that building. And then, then once you've constructed it and you gain the benefits of that building, um, I really enjoyed that part. Like that was really cool. The, The thing I really struggled with was, getting activities up. Um, and that just kind of, and I could not seem to get the freaking trade cards out. Or if I did, they'd always come up when I had nothing in my stock. Um, and then you're trying to weigh it like, well, do I want to use the trade? You know, you're trying to, do I want to keep this blue trade card to put on the stupid blue building I bought because now I got to put it over there. So if I'm, constructing blue buildings and I can't use the blue cards to put things up in activities. Otherwise it slows down my construction. So I get it's all by design and it's just, it was, this was a thing with me that I just, at the end of the second game, I'm like, it's okay. I didn't hate it, but I wouldn't buy it. It does not need to be in my collection, you know, that that and and it was just kind of like eh. 
walk away like, okay, well, at least I tried it. So, would I play it again? If if you wanted to play it or someone in my group would play it, I'd be like, yeah, I know how to play. But would I enjoy it? I don't know. <laughs> I think I'd be more indifferent over it, but. So. Yeah, I was just looking up at the versions where Ukronia's BGG rank is 36.39 and Glory to Rome is 261. So there's a huge difference in the of of how it was rated by by people. But uh, yeah, one of the more challenging things as well with Uchronia is just that the cards are multiple use. And this is something that Carl Chudik loves to do, whether it's in like Innovation or Glory to Rome or Uchronia, where you have a card and then you have a like a play, play mat and you tuck the card in either on the top or the bottom as an example. And then that card is one thing at the top and it's a different thing at the bottom. So um, that's the mechanic that you really don't see very many places. And uh, I'd say Space Base sort of did that, kind of, but not to the same extent. So, yeah, I wouldn't, because Space Base was, you had one function until you replaced the card. Then it served a second function. Where like this one was either or. On your yes. play, which which way are you going to use this? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> okay, all right. Which so it's not bad. Like I said, it's not bad. It's just a. I just couldn't get excited about this one. I, I just oh, I get this it. is the one I think I struggled with the most. But again, everything we played, this was probably the one that I least liked, and I'm still kind of like I would say I'm mediocre over it. Got it. No, I get it. So it's not bad. No. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I really wonder, and that's why I brought it out later. I'm like, I really wonder if you played Glory to Rome, would you think differently and say, like, of that game, that game style, like, would you like Glory to Rome? Because that one seems to be, like, loved by everybody except the art. I keep going back to the art. So, anyway. I, so, yeah, and, and when you when you put it on the table, I looked at it. Like, and I just no. I went over and put it back on the floor stack. Yeah. I was like, yep. no. <laughs> yes. You're tapping out. Yep. So anyway, next game is uh Roll to the Top Journeys. So um we'll we'll talk about that one uh later after the after the con discussion. We'll go into in depth on that one. And then the the next game that we played was Finito. So uh, this is a game that I've had for quite some time. It's part of Schmidt Spiel's uh, Easy Play series, which uh, it never got a formal release in the United States, I don't believe. This is one that I got from uh, Fun Again Games years ago when, at least I think it was Fun Again Games, or maybe it was Amazon.de. I'm not sure now, but I remember getting it from uh, from a place that show that sold import games or games not made for the U.S. market, and 
this was a game that I also used to play with my son when he was little. So I figured if uh, if a five-year-old uh, child mm-hmm. can figure out a game, then Mark can definitely figure out this game. How do you like? How do you like that one? I struggled with this, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. But uh, yeah, that I, I really enjoy the Easy Play series. It's just a bunch of like really simple games, simple mechanics. They can get a little thinky sometimes, uh, you know. So they're not quite super basic, but um, but they're fun. So Finito, what it is, is it's a grid of, so you, you have this little board with um, circles on it numbered from 1 to 20. And there's multiples of some of the numbers. So it's, it's uh, one, I think it's a six by six grid yep. of numbers. So that's 36 total spaces. And the, the numbers go from 1 to 20. You have a 20-sided die, and then you have game pieces that... Wait, how high did they, they go? They go to like one to 12? 12? Yeah. yeah, I think it was 1 to 12. Yeah, I think you're right. And basically, the, the game, uh, the gist of the game is that somebody rolls the die, and then it shows a number, let's say like 10. Then you have to take one of your one of three of your little uh pieces that are flip three are flipped up the rest are uh face down and these pieces have numbers on it so you have to place one of your three up face up pieces on the board so for example if you roll the 10 you might place i don't know the six on that spot if it's turned up and as you're rolling you're placing your pieces on the board all the while trying to get all your pieces oriented in such a way where you can make them top down, left left to right, top down in numeric order. So it's fairly straightforward. You know, while you're playing the game, you can get probably 80% of the way there. And then once all 12 pieces are out on the board, that's when you, you keep rolling, but now you can move a piece. And that's how you you know, start moving stuff around at the end of the game to uh, to get your numerical sequence up. But uh, it's a fun little game. You know, kind of reminds me of Bingo. That's what it looks like. Uh, and, uh, and you're just placing these uh, colorful little tiles. They have a nice feel to them. Uh, the game's fairly nice quality. Very simple. Very basic. How long do you think it took to play? Like ten minutes, maybe fifteen minutes um, of that. Yeah, it's really quick. It's a ten to fifteen minute game. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, twelve minutes for our first game. Oh yeah, our second game was five minutes long. Oh really? Oh yeah. wow. I remember that because I remember telling you that it took you twelve minutes to beat me, and I I beat you in only five minutes. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Gotta well, love having the stats to go back and look at. Well played. And and yeah. I do want to mention that this game actually is online on the Happy Meeple site. So it can be played. Actually, I haven't been there in a long time. I wonder wonder what they have. Oh, boom. 
Oh, let's say this. We're going to talk about several other games that we played in this. Mm-hmm. Was it easy play line? Oh yeah. We played three of them. I'm, I'm really wish these were available to purchase. You know, um, I, I know a couple have like been rebranded, but the one, the, the ones that you have, I thought were perfect. It's like, I really want these. It's like, I'm going to have to do some searching and see if there's any way to find these, you know? So yeah, I, I like them. I think they're really good. And these would be great to have for when I go on game nights, there's, I always take one or two games that are kind of warm up games that as people are arriving, you know, not everyone's there on time, you know, people are at traffic and dealing with things. So, you know, as people start to flow in, it's like, we can start playing something smaller, simple that is quick. You know, five and 10 minute games are great. And then everyone can just kind of sit down. It's a nice icebreaker. Um, And then even like for, I often talk about playing games with my mother. These are games that very easy. Uh, She would enjoy these. So it's, it's great for, of all ages, like you said, your five-year-old son was learning. So if you're, if you've got young kids and you want to get them into gaming, these are great games too. It's like, these are, and, and it, and you are having to think, you know, it's starting to teach like even young kids teaching them math and the order of very simple, very basic, but it's starting to learn those concepts of how numbers go and things like that. And then it's just not complicated for the elderly. Um, and even people that are like really into the hobby, it's a great little warm up before you jump into your, you know, three yeah. hour terraforming Mars game, you know? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> great stuff. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think you kind of covered it where it's a really basic game, but at the same time, we, as, as gamers, it's, there's enough there. Like um, one of the ones we're going to talk about in a second, it's it's a roll and move game, basically, but they tweak it just enough to like make it interesting. So it's not just like so you're not bored, like totally bored while you're rolling and moving. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, that was Finito, uh, a great fun little game. All right. Which I did finish winning so i'm gonna state this from this point on as this was late saturday night the second game of finito i won i didn't lose again until the last game we played on sunday night sunday was my day and i dominated rob but it's i didn't even know it until now that it actually started saturday night (laughs) oh how about that so the next game we played, and the last game we played Saturday night was, as Rob likes to call, Ganshan Clever, or That's Pretty Clever. And this is a game that I I have and I've had for a long time. I And I swear I've played this somewhere else. And I thought Rob had taught it to me once before, but he didn't remember. I, he did, I did he didn't think it, it was me. I did bring it to your house, um, and I played it with... Uh... I, we played it after the boating. Yeah, and that then I was not there. So, yeah. but maybe or, it was just you one of what? those. I think you told I, me about it. I think you were there, and then you're like, I can't play because we played this game and we played 
Welcome to your neighborhood. Uh, welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to the jungle. Yeah. Welcome to, welcome to dot, dot, dot. Your perfect neighborhood yeah. or something. Yeah. Welcome to, yeah. So, and I got that one, but I know I, because my kids were like, this game's so great. But so that's pretty clever. I've, it's one of those that I, I tried reading the rules. I've tried watching like how you play. And for some reason, the, the way, like I get how you did the, the scoring on the game pad, like selecting something like you roll your dice, you use the dice, you select it, how you're going to use it on the game pad or on your, on your score pad. Like all that made sense. It was this whole idea of like, how to use the dice because then when you roll, whatever you take, whatever you use, then you've got to remove like anything below that. And the other dice, they go into that silver tray. And it was like, I just like, for some reason I couldn't figure that concept out. Like, and it was just like, so I told Rob, I'm like, you've got to teach me this game because I think this is one I'll absolutely love. It, it, it's, fits in my wheelhouse of, you know, dice. And, um, I, I like to, I like rolling rights. I like rolling dice. I, I, you know, I've got other games where it's like you, you kind of do this like super mega lucky boxes, you know, you're, you're instead there, you're flipping a card and you're using the number to mark things off, like on a bingo squares. And then when you complete a row or you complete a column, it's like, you get bonuses and same with this game. And it's like, and I love how it's like, when you get something and then like, Ooh, I get that lets me put a number over here. Ooh, that gave me another one. And you just kind of, it just kind of keeps rolling. And it's like, this is so much fun. So thankfully, um, Rob taught this to me and I kicked his butt. It was, it was, it was pretty, it was pretty sad. I destroyed him <laughs> one ninety two to two sixty four. Um, just wanted to throw that in, <laughs> Yeah, but, um, yeah, it's like, okay, now I got it. Now I can play this and actually get my game to the table. So um, I'm really excited. I'll probably take this with me tomorrow too. Just as uh, maybe if it's at the end of the night and you've only got an hour left, it's like we're 40 minutes, something like that. This is like about a 30-minute game. Boom, pull it out. Um, so awesome. Really enjoy this game. And um, thank you. Thank, big thanks to Rob for teaching it to me. Awesome. And next up is Sagani. This is uh, a game that Mark's been talking about and playing quite a bit lately. And uh, it's a game that I got with a Kickstarter. I don't remember which one. I might look it up here. Um, so I, I got this one about two, three years ago. Because I remember, man, I want to say Eagle Griffin. Yeah, Eagle Griffin. Uh, had it like in a three pack. Uh, yeah. So it, it it was a Kickstarter for Pergamon that I mentioned a little bit ago, where they came out with a second edition, and then they uh, included Sagani and Armonia as uh, you know you can buy you can get all three games as part of a pledge. So instead of just getting Pergamon, I, I got all three. Because it seemed reasonable-ish, or I don't know, or I'm weak, one of the two. But uh, I've had it for some time now, because I actually got it in, when did this ship? It's shipped in September of 2022. So I've had it over a year, and I've never played it. And uh, 
you know, I know Mark uh, was really fond of it. So I brought it in my stack of games to propose to play. Uh, so this is a game from 2020 is one that was officially listed as being released, even though I got it two years later. Thank you, Kickstarter. But uh, <laughs> the designer is Uwe Rosenberg, of all people. So, you know, he does have some games that aren't like the huge, um, you know, massive Euro game. Uh, and it's more along the lines of like patchwork than it is one of his uh you know big uh big euro games like haller tower or ray colt or caverna and such so uh, how this game runs is that it's um what was it about like musical notes kind of no not musical notes about uh here, harmony of nature yeah there's spirits. yeah, yeah so there's spirits I was thinking harmony, like of music, but no harmony of peacefulness. And so there's uh, spirits of different colors with these tiles. Each tile has a different color spirit on it. And then there's these little, um, what do they call it? Like elements, like what there's fire and water and wind. Earth, water, air, and fire. Okay, Those are yeah. the, yeah, you're trying to achieve harmony between the natural elements of earth, water, air, and fire. Okay. And what's interesting about this game is like each tile has a certain color on it. Like, for example, some are red, some are white, some are like yellow, blue. And these elements are on the various sides, right? They're either on the diagonals or they're on the sides of the tile and they're pointing in different directions. So there can be anywhere from one to what, four, I think elements on these tiles. And what you're looking to do is you're looking to build out um, the tiles in front of you in your play area. And as you place a tile, you're placing these little discs on the center of the tile. Let's say if straight north, so up, there's a, a little water symbol insignia straight up in the middle. If you place a, a water tile just anywhere north of, of, uh, of that tile that you placed, then that element requirement is met, meaning that there's that element in that direction and then once you cover all of the elements on the tile, all four up to up to four of them, then you take that tile, flip it over and score it, and then use your discs in another area. And if you run out of discs, there is a little bit of a punishment. You lose two <laughs> points to get additional discs. I, I think I got like all of the discs um, in the game. Wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> it, felt, it sure felt like it. I'm like, gimme, gimme, gimme. But uh, you do sacrifice two points, but you get to use that additional tile or additional disc for the rest of the game, which is really nice because now you have a little bit of an, of an advantage. And I found that, you know, playing for the first time, you know, I, I didn't really know, like, you know, what the strategy was or, or what it, 
you know what in a good what a good alignment was and i found that once i kind of like had everything i won't say figured out but i was familiar with what i needed to do like half the game had gone by and i did some pretty awful placement initially and and i really couldn't recover from it so uh i'm pretty sure i lost yeah i did lose this one because you said i lost everything <laughs> i lost every game on on that day and uh yeah yeah and uh I'll, I'll blame it for the first half of this game and i i could not redeem myself but i really enjoyed this game it's fun uh i would definitely play it again and definitely recommend it to people it's 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 awesome Cool. Glad you like it. The next one that we got to the table was, again, I uh, one I got to teach you, which was nice. I really enjoyed the fact that, you know, we were both teaching each other. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, I guess I, in my mind, I figured I'm going to go there and Rob's going to show me how to play all these games. And it, it really turned out to be like we were both sharing with each other and teaching each other. Yeah. And that was really cool. I enjoyed that. So. One of my all-time favorites of recent, The Quacks of Quedlinburg by Wolfgang Warsh um, from Schmidtspiel. Yep. They're the ones that make the uh, easy play games. Oh, yeah. Good, good people. Good people. Um, There's a ton of publishers on this game. I'll just say that. Um, But uh, this, this game is... Uh, you guys have heard me about it. I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to go into it because we've talked about it on the previous shows of how to play this game. But um, this is one, Rob, that I've like deluxified all my components. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I was talking about kind of some of the the differences and uh, when I was teaching you the game. But I'm more curious to hear your thoughts on on this, what what you thought of the game. Absolutely. So this is a game that I got, I want to say, probably shortly after it came out, where I heard a lot of great buzz about it. I mean, this game's super popular. I'm looking at it right now in BGG. Its ranking is 62. So it is one of the fabled 100, top 100 games out of all time. And I want to say this is uh, one of Wolfgang Warsh's first games that he came out. And it was like, that made him uh, pretty popular, like immediately. And he also did That's Pretty Clever, too. And twice yeah, this as is clever and a whole bunch of in, little in the, right games. In the family game rankings, it's seven. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah he i want to say that this i want to say this was up for the spiel and he had a i could be wrong with this but i want to say that he actually had two games that were nominated uh that year so he had gunshot clever and and i think this one at the same time it's like, how often does that happen? Probably not too often. <laughs> yeah. Actually, let me see. Was it a winner? I don't remember. I mean, it won a ton of awards. 
We won Golden Geeks. Yeah, so yeah, it's the Kenner Spiel for 2018. Nice. I wonder what else was back back when the Kenner Spiel could pick a good game. Yeah. <clears throat> Unlike <clears throat> last year. <laughs> yeah, it won. Uh, Azul was the main winner that year. Oh yeah, yeah. Az- Azul was the main winner, and then uh, this one, the Kenner Spiel, which is kind of like the hobbyist gamers game yeah. versus the family game. But anyway, so I got it way back when, and I punched it out, and then I was going to play a game, and then I just remember like struggling with the colors on there. And I know they have little symbols, but like sometimes it's like really frustrating. And I don't know, maybe I was tired or circumstances and the lighting in the room definitely uh, affects things. Like if you have a yellowish bulb, good luck. Like, you know, like the old school uh, incandescent style. Yeah, it makes it really difficult to see some of the colors. You know, colorblindness uh, is a pain, especially in gaming sometimes. But uh, I I took the game and I said, this is going to be for another day. It's like, I just can't deal with this right now. And uh, yeah, I, I never touched it uh, after that. I never got back to it. And I'm so glad that, well, that we played it. And, uh, you know, I was really looking forward to trying it with you because I know you could teach it to me. And uh, I would be in good hands <laughs> as well. <laughs> and uh, I really enjoyed it. The, the game was a lot of fun. Um, I did not struggle with it at all, uh, color-wise. Everything was uh, fine. I don't think I even asked you at any point what was what. I had, uh, I think we played it during the day, so maybe it's because we yeah. had a lot of natural light coming in that it wasn't an issue. But, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed, you know, digging around in my bag trying to pick pieces and it's definitely a press your luck game and i i do enjoy those games and uh it was funny like the first full half of the game i busted like every single time yeah and uh you know i was pressing my luck (laughs) and i had so as you advance so there's like a spiral uh, in your cauldron or, or whatever it is that you're cooking up your your what potions or whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this little water droplet that you start advancing, which is like your starting point because you start from your water droplet moving forward. And there's this little rat piece that uh, if you're behind in the scoring you get this rat piece to move you forward a certain amount of spaces. So it's kind of almost like a catch-up mechanic. And man, did that rat go far. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you had him. I think you had him in your pot the entire game. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yep. I think like round one was the only one that he, that he wasn't out. Yep. But uh, yeah, it started early and then... <laughs> I think there were some some of the levels, or not some of the levels, some of the rounds. I was easily like probably like seven, eight spaces ahead of you. Yep. To start, so that that was kind of fun. But 
Yeah, unfortunately, my first playthrough, I did not win. But, uh, but it, it I, was close. Yeah. I only beat you by three points. And oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, it was. So, again, the the rat tails, it makes a huge difference. It, it really, I kind of like the fact that it keeps, it does keep everyone in the game. It's a way of really equalizing that that game out so that no matter what, everyone's always in. Right. Um, but then again, it's kind of frustrating when it's like you're kicking someone's rear and then when you're getting up into levels seven, eight, and nine, or those last couple rounds, that they've got so many rat tails that it boosts them up so quick on the score track, you know. So they can be like, <laughs> yeah, and it puts you the the lead at a disadvantage. But oh yeah, um, it's it's good. It it's not a game that you know. I, I it keeps that game interesting, and it's one of those that there's no. There is no real, um, it ain't over to the fat lady sings, right? It ain't over to the game's over because it usually comes down. Like every time I've played this, everyone's within reach in that last round. And that's why the game mechanic, and I was explaining to you, we didn't play the last round the way the rules do explain it because I always play just a friendly game, but you're supposed to, on the last round, everyone's supposed to reach in their bag, pull out a piece at the same time and hold it in their fist. And then once everyone ha is ready, you flip your hand over and open your hand to see if there's a chip in there. So everyone's placing one chip at a time. And then, and it, it's meant to that, because some people will go faster than others. Um, you know, I'm kind of that way. I'm just like, boom, boom. I'm just placing my pieces. Um, yeah. others I'll play with are, are like really taking their time. And the thing is, is for someone who's quick like me, I'll, I'll be like, Oh, I'm done. And someone else at, that is close to catching up, they can go, okay, he's done. They can look at my pot, see how many points I'm going to score, look at the scoreboard and do the math in their head. And it lets them know, okay, they need to get to a certain part to a certain point. And then they can quit because they'll know that they've already passed me. So they they have you do this kind of one at a time. Everybody does it at the same time, one move at a time. And then if you're not, if you're done, then when you'd open up your hand, you wouldn't have a chip. And then everyone else is placing. Now, it doesn't negate them from looking at that point, but they didn't have a bunch of rounds in front of you. You know, you've all had the same amount of turns at that point. So it, it helps kind of lessen that a, a bit, but I've always just been like, whatever. If someone wants to sit and do the math, I'm going to play my game the best that I can. And and I'll be honest, I, I'm looking at, you know, if someone else is done and I'm on my last round, even, even if we played it that way, I'm going to be looking, do I need to keep going? You know, because if I might have six white chips out and I still have a two in there, two or three in my bag. I do not want to bust in the last round, you know? So I am going to look and see what others have, you know, because if I don't have to press my luck, I won't. But if it's like, crap, they're still ahead of me. I have no choice but to go, then I'm going to go. But again, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me that someone's looking at my pot to see what they need to do. But so, you know, we, we didn't play it. Um, we did everything else right, but it was that last round. We just played it friendly. Um, and, uh, 
Yeah, I really love the game. I think it's great. It is. It's a lot of fun. Okay. Okay. All right. Moving on to the next one. Um, we've got The Hanging Gardens. So this is another uh, older game, and uh, this was uh, the Spiel des Jahres uh, recommended list on 2008. So it's another game that's uh, 10 plus years old. And yeah. I really enjoy this game. It's uh, it's a funky game where you're playing with cards, and the cards are divided into six squares, basically. So if you imagine a card being held in, uh, I'll call it portrait orientation, there's a line down the middle from top down, and then there's two lines dividing it into thirds. Um, going uh, horizontally so you have six areas in there and then there's a number of different oh what do they call it um with something with an m not mosaic anyway it's there there's a number of different um it's like a what like a terrace there's a park there's a number of different style like buildings or um like backgrounds to them and what you're trying to do, oh, and each tile won't have something in all six spaces. I think at most it had, or each uh, card will only have up to three of these. So it might have one, it might have two, might have three in different places. And what you're trying to do is you have a starting card that's all blank. So all six spaces have nothing on them. And you have to place a card that you draw on on top of a card that you already have where any building that's on it, underneath it has to be a blank space or another building. So to give an example, if you have a card that's on the table as your starting card, you can't orient it such a way that, let's say like one of the corners has a building on it and it's hanging off of the edge it has to be fully on top of a blank space with a card underneath. So it's a interesting little mechanic because you're kind of like taking these cards and you're kind of spinning them around, trying to see where they're going to fit. And once you build up a couple of these buildings in a group, both, uh, you know, uh, uh, along the flat edges or orthogonally, uh, you're building this group you can score it at that point. And when you do, you put a temple on top of one of the pieces and now you can no longer place a card on top of that particular spot until you move that temple. So it's a cool little setup where you're, you know, like trying to decide which of these four cards that are in the market uh, for you to take, which one to take, where you can put it, where it benefits you the most, um, where you can fit it so a building isn't off of the side of, uh, let's say, of, of like your play area. And uh, it's just a lot of fun. It's It scratches this itch of like, think of it almost like tile placement with cards and um, trying to puzzle your way into orienting this card in such a way that you're getting a benefit and you're not closing off areas. And uh, I, I enjoy this game a lot, and, and I love to bring it out and introduce it to people. What did you think, Mark? 
I, at first I thought I wasn't going to care for this. And, uh, which is funny. I think that about most games you put on the table. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> There's the theme for the, the con yeah. game, Euro games that Rob's going to make Mark play that he thinks he won't like, but will ultimately enjoy. Um, it, it, yeah, at first I was just like, I did really didn't think I was going to enjoy this. And the, the, I'm, when it comes to like spatial games and stuff like that, I think the only thing that saved me on this was that you're allowed to take the card and kind of work around, you know, figure out, is this going to work and twist it and turn it and try to see where you can lay it. And, um, and if you don't like it, then oh, let me try a different one. You know, you, until you play the card, you're, you can, mess around with it so i really like that and it when i when we first started i was really like confused and and you kept telling me once you scored it don't worry about it like you know just cover it up and 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 i had a really hard time like well i've built these i why would i cover them up you want to try to protect it yeah and yeah work your way around uh, it it's yeah and then once I'm like, okay, I got, I can, once I've, you've said it to me a couple of times and I finally started to listen, then it was like, okay, I can cover these up. They're no good to me now. I can probably rescore. And you kept saying you can rescore them once you break that connection type of thing. And you can, you want to build out and give yourselves more ability to build. Um, I really, really did enjoy this game a lot. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, which, you know, again, surprised me. Um, oh, and it, I, I realized real quick uh, that I, I totally forgot, like, the second half of the game, which is to collect the tiles. <laughs> I just talked about the cards. Uh, real quick, oh, there's yeah. these little tiles, and you're trying to collect sets of them. And, um, for example, there will be, let's say, um, a tile that has, like, a tiger on it, and it might have... Um, two scores on it so the first score is if you have only one of these and then the second is if you have two of them some tiles have three scores on them so you need to collect sets of three to get the maximum points some have four and then you have you have tiles that are like tigers and then you have like the animal trainers that tie with them there's gates and guards which is another one so in addition to doing this placement when you when you score a region and you put your temple on top of it like i had mentioned you then draw a tile from the market of six tiles that are available and you can only take certain ones based on there's like three groups of them and which ones you can choose from is dictated by the the size of the region that you closed out whether it's like three four or five or more in size and then that is the second half of the game and the interesting thing about it is that when you take these you have to keep them all face down so while you're playing the game you have no idea where anybody's at score wise that's a big surprise at the end so yeah i'm sorry to interrupt Uh, no you're not yeah no, actually, no, I'm not, but still. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, um, so when we were done, it was just like, we both have these big stacks of tiles and it's like, I remember you asking me like, how do I feel? And I'm like, I have no clue what I even have. <laughs> yeah, like either I had, and you got to constantly keep looking like, oh, do I have, 
do so if I've got the statues, do I have the stone mason guy to go with it? Or if I got the gardens, do I do I have the gardener to go with it to get the bonus points? You know, your your cons and it's like, wait, how many of these tiles? Like the gates, okay, I need four of them to score the max. You know, in the set, do I, how many do I have? And it's like you're collecting all these things and trying to, you know, decide what to gather. And um, it, it was just a lot of fun. I I did enjoy it. It's it's a slower paced game because you know we're all sitting there going thinking and twisting the cards around, so it can take some time. So I imagine with more players, this could really be a long game. Um, especially with newer people that are, you know, taking their time um, and trying to understand it. But it's uh, very enjoyable. And uh, we ended up, yeah, it was just great. And it, yeah, it and shows as a 45-minute game, two to four players. So I don't know. So. Why did it take um, us three hours to play it? Because <laughs> it was me. me. You were playing you with me, that's why. Um, there you go. But I think the best game that we played because of a certain aspect of it oh. <laughs> was Ale Lacta Est, whatever. <laughs> I'm probably butchered that, but it means the die is cast. Oh, is that what it which, means? Yeah. Okay. So that, that is a Latin word for the die is cast. Oh, that's, um, that's fun. The... Yeah, uh, yeah. Players take on the role of Caesar and compete for the most prestige points. And I remember you were like reading the directions and, and Rob was like, it's kind of funny. There was, I don't know if you noticed like a big difference between you and me, you sat down every game and read the rules, start to front explaining it. When I was explaining quacks and Quellenberg, like quacks, I didn't even open the book. I don't think, I think I looked one thing up to confirm something. But I was like, here's how you play. <laughs> and then with Sagani, I was like, I had to reference something. Or I think I started on that one. I was just like, I kind of started. I think it was the f- Deep Rock. I didn't open the book. I was mm-hmm. just like, I so I just like telling people how to play. And here you're being all official. Like, here's everything. So um, like on this one, it was just like, you start reading and it's like, you're Caesar and you're trying to get these points. And you're, you know, like going into the story. And I'm just like, yeah (laughs) um but again it's like one of those don't judge a book by what what you know the story and or the uh, don't judge a game by the story or the 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 words on the back but it just sounded like this sounded so corny but i like dice rollers and you get eight dice to roll and i i love dice rolling and so having out like these different areas like the senate and um what was it the cast castorum yeah um the oh let's see what is there a temple which we didn't use the temple in a two-player game um but then the forum so uh, so basically you're kind of you're rolling dice and then you're placing dice out on either the senate the castrum or the forum um there's another place you can put them i'll tell you that's the best part here in a minute but like if you put your dice on the cast room, they have to be like, um, I think that was the one where it's sets or no, that was like, you had to have all of, uh, um, all of one number, like six, six, six or five, five, five. So you're putting your dice out there 
in in and whoever has the most dice of the larger number of the run type of thing they win that spot yep. and then there's the senate it's like it's got to be in a in a in a in a a run like a one two three or four five six so you're 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 rolling dice and then you're placing dice in those areas and then um so if you win the senate you get cards you get to pick three of these cards and they're like bonus cards and then you pick one to keep and you get rid of the other two if you won the castrum then you're gaining like a province um and there's like two on the board and you pick which one you want and they're all different colors um and they have different point values to them and then the forum there's like these columns and uh, so that allows four dice to be in there and it's just a single dice and so you're and they've got a rule of how how you place your dice there and ultimately you want ones down because the one is going to be at the far left and and if you put a two down then you place it in numerical order in in the forum area so and and if if you have ones you're putting it at the very first and shoving everyone else down the line and what there is there's always going to be four people there's men and women tiles of with different colors so they can go into the different provinces and ultimately you're trying to get the man and what the man and a woman together of the same color so you put them into the same colored province so that you can score their points and the and the province um and each of the people have their different values so you want the higher values so you want to be able to pick people first so you get your pick but then at the end of the round it determines whose dice are in the row you know gets to pick um and then if your dice gets shoved off of the forum they land in um the latrina um, the latrina and it's the crapper folks <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny the tile <laughs> it's like the roof has been removed it's like a 3d picture of this roof building but the roof is missing and you can see that it's it's a divided building with two rooms and there's women in one and there's men in the other and you can see that it's like a benched toilet with just a, with the hole in it and there's people sitting in there doing their business <laughs> so your your tiles that or your dice that don't get used in the forum they get dumped <laughs> into the latrina. Yep. <laughs> and then any dice that you lose out on the the castrum or the senate then like if I took the senate and Rob had dice there though and he lost so he didn't get the cards his dice go to the latrina. So and then it it sounds bad but it's actually not bad to have dice there because every dice that ends up in there each round you get a reroll token. And you can use those tokens whenever you want and as often as you want. So, and you can re-roll like any dice that you want with a token. So it comes in handy later on as you're trying to, you're like, man, I need another six on the cast room to win it. And you're not rolling them. You can throw the re-roll, the re chip out and roll all the dice and you can keep doing it and keep doing it. <laughs> <clears throat> but each time you do it, it costs you a chip. So it's not, like I said, it's not bad to end up there, but it was just really funny. Um, and it was just like, yeah, you get this reroll from being in the toilet. And then it's like, you're using this token to flush the dice that you just rolled. <laughs> you're like flushing them and redoing it. So 
I thought it was funny, but uh, it, it's a really fun little game. Uh, we played this one twice, um, and uh, yeah, it, it it was just fun. And um, and of course, I won both games again. I like I said, I couldn't lose this day, but yeah. that did end my winning streak of about a twenty four <laughs> hour straight win streak because Rob go. was like, "I'm done with this crap." <laughs> I'm done with it. I'm going to put Mark in his place. And he did on the next game. Yeah. And um, Aliyah Yakta asked, did get re-implemented uh, a number of years ago as Order of the Gilded Compass in 2016. So they are the same game, just different themes, same designers. As far as I know, they haven't really changed anything between the versions. But um yeah, so if you're looking for it, you can find it maybe as one of the two. Uh, the next game is Santiago de Cuba. This is a game that is kind of an offshoot of uh, the game Cuba that's been around for a really long time. It's a very popular game, and um, it uses a couple of really interesting mechanics in it. So there's, uh, there's a rondel that's in it where you move this little card around in a circle across like 10 different spots and a port uh, at each of the spots is a is a person that gives you certain things like you go to one person they might give you uh two tobacco another one gives you two sugar cane uh, another one gives you two money so you get resources at each of these and when you visit a person uh, they have a colored rose on their tile. And I forgot to mention that all of these on the board, the the people, and then there's these buildings as well. They're all tiles. So every time you play the game, you shuffle the tiles and you place them randomly so that each game, each game is essentially a slightly different experience because things come out in a different order and uh, that can definitely affect the gameplay. So let's say you you move your vehicle to a point where you you uh, gain like two coins. There's going to be a colored rose on that tile that'll tell you to go one of three spots. Let's say that has, um, it's like a yellow rose and there might be three different tiles there. So you get to choose one of those three tiles, uh, which further gives you some some kind of action. Uh, either to deliver goods to the shipyard or to convert a good one good to another good. Or there's some tiles over there that give you victory points even. But uh, the other mechanic in there that I forgot to mention as well is while you're moving your vehicle in the rondelle, if you move to the next spot, it's it's a free move. But then after the first spot, each move costs or each spot costs you a coin. And, you know, that's where you can help advance the game quicker if you move it a whole bunch. Because when you go to the port, you trigger a delivery cycle. Or if you want to prevent your opponent from getting something, you can potentially move it forward. Or if you really want to get something that would like... uh you can skip a spot to get something that your opponent might have gotten. So there's various reasons why you might advance it quickly. But when you finally get back to the port with the vehicle, let's say back at the starting spot, you trigger, trigger a 
delivery cycle where there's a there's a big ship in the shipyard and it's asking for four different goods and certain quantities so when you're there you then take turns delivering let's say if it had like two sh there's a die on it that dictates the good and the quantity so let's say it's sugarcane with two it's uh cigars at four and rum at one as you deliver those, uh, you get points. What is it? Two points, I think, per good that you deliver, I believe, initially. And then it can get more expensive. It can go up to four point victory points per if, uh, if you're not able to deliver uh, on the first pass. But uh, it's, a, it's a really interesting game. It's a, I'll say it's a very light, lightish, light to medium game very easy to teach very easy to pick up and uh and i think it's a lot of fun as well and i i really enjoy santiago de cuba and it's one of uh one of the good games that i have from what like the 2010 time frame i don't i forget exactly when it came out any, any thoughts on this one mark maybe not um Looks like Mark might have stepped away briefly. All right, we'll go on uh, to the next one. The next game is called Numeri. Uh, Numeri is another game in the um, in the uh, Schmidt Spiel Easy Play series, and. Uh, this one has, it's basically like a roll and move game where it has to go, um, it's, there's a track that kind of, what's a good way to put it, it kind of is like snakes through the board and then does kind of like a little loop and it finishes up in the center. And initially you start off. Uh, at the beginning of this long track of about like 30 some uh, spaces, you start off on the negative side and um, you roll a die and then you have five little playing pieces uh, that you're placing on the board. So for example, if you roll a one, you place your one piece on the next available spot at the starting point or the next forward spot. So, Mark, I'm talking about uh, Numeri. Oh, um, yeah. We'll, we'll go. Uh, we'll go back to uh, <laughs> Santiago, Santiago de Cuba. Santiago de Cuba. Yeah. So, um, as I was saying, you roll a one, then you place your one piece as close to the start as possible. If that piece is, if that spot is taken, you place it to the next forward spot. And then this way you're basically placing your, all your pieces out on the board. Once you have all five pieces out on the board, actually I take that back as, as soon as there's a piece on the board, if you roll that number again, now you get to advance your piece one spot forward or the next spot forward if the piece in front of you is taken. So for example, if if you're at spot three and four and five are taken by your pieces or an opponent's pieces, then you get to jump everybody and go uh, ahead of everybody. 
And there's an interesting mechanic where if you have three of your pieces together, um, including the one that you just moved, so um, so you have three pieces uh, grouped together, you now get to take another turn. So you can potentially like chain a couple of moves uh, if you get the correct roll and your pieces have the right orientation. And then once you pass a certain marker on the board, you can also divide some, um, you can divvy up some of your rolls into two moves. So for example, if you roll a five, you can roll, you can move a four and a one or a two and a three. And uh, that, that, that makes it kind of interesting and a little gamery, but uh, as Mark and I were talking it's it's kind of cool to do it and we started doing it a whole bunch at the beginning but there's a cost to it where <laughs> you wind up moving like all of your low numbered pieces and then the big numbered five and potentially the four they kind of like they're kind of like at the back of the line and the goal of the game is to get your pieces advanced towards the end because once the last three pieces are filled up, that's what triggers the end of game. And then certain pe- certain spots on the board are numbered. So your score is if you land your piece on one of those pieces, I'm sorry, one of those spots that have a number on them, you take the number on your disk and the number on the space and you multiply them together. So for example, if you land the one on the 27, then that's 27 points. Or if you land the five on the 20, that's 100 points. So, um, you know, you definitely want to get your bigger numbers towards the end because uh, that'll score you more points. And then there's a little bit of a challenge as well, where if your piece is on what I'll call a blank spot, that serves no points whatsoever. So, you can have the four, five, and the three uh, not on a numbered spot, and then at the end of the game, you know, all three of them score you nothing, and you're just going to be scoring maybe with a two and one. But it's a fun little game. This is a game that I used to play with my son. It was kind of like family game night, and uh, well, the three of us would play uh, the game together, and you know, he had a lot of fun with it. So this is another game that a five-year-old could play. So I figured Mark would know how to play. He could at least handle this one. Right. It took me a little bit. uh, (laughs) No, this, this one was actually my favorite of these easy play games. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed this one a lot. Um, yeah, it was like at the, at the start, it was just like, okay, we're moving. It was like, wasn't really thinking about it. And then it was like, oh, we can, then it was like, oh, wait, if I get three together, I get a, like a free turn. And and then again, realizing, crap, every time I split my five and to move the smaller ones, the five is getting further back. And and then you're like, when you get near that end, it's like, oh, do you want to move them into the the first scoring spot or try to get them, you know, which you don't want your one up there. You want your five up there. And like our fives were behind us. And it was just like. But then you got to move into there somehow before the other player does. And uh, yeah, it was this, I think, would be just chaos with four people. It, it, the game would go really fast with four people. Oh, it would. And you you probably wouldn't get, you know, and you wouldn't get any free turns. I don't think you'd get in three in a row with uh, four people out there. But it, th- I don't know. This one was just a lot of fun. 
again, it's just, I would love to have this one. Um, I, I liked all the easy play games. I thought they were all great. This one was my favorite. Um, so, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I really dug this. Yeah, and this is the one for some reason uh, isn't on BGG. So I wonder if it got. It It is, but it's called Moon Leap. Oh, it is. Moon yeah. Leap. So you can look for it and, and select it, but then the page comes up as Moon Leap. And it's basically the same type of game, but it's it's been uh, oh. changed, rethemed to this moon theme. Oh, yeah. Moon Leap with little. Re- yeah, it Im- yeah. re-implements Numeri. But, like, and I was looking at this, and I'm like, yeah, it's the same thing, but I I don't know. I don't, I want the, I want the one we played. Like, this one's got the board, and it's going in different shapes, and I just think the simplicity of the original is perfectly fine. You know? I I don't, and then there's like, there's a, a frog one that's basically the same thing with frogs leaping over. But Numeri just seemed like it was just simple. Like this type of game, I don't think needs to necessarily be themed. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think that the moon one added anything. And it looks like these little spacemen meeples would just fall oh, yeah, over. I'm looking at way. it now. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> so, but anyways, yeah, it's, it was fun, really fun. Again, not a long game. Um, it's it's a good little quick game to play, and yeah, good choice again. Yeah, Moon Leap looks like it's a really small box game. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder when it was done. Yeah, same designer, Rudy Hoffman. No, interesting. Yeah, I would think. Uh, oh wait, Moon Leap. It came out uh, in 2022, so that's a relatively recent reprint. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they figure they've run. They're not selling New Mary anymore. They repackage it with a new name and new components and call it something else, yeah, and it'll a, sell a million copies. Yeah, it looks I, like it's I, a new company. That redid it. <coughs> so, okay. Um, do you want to talk about uh, your thoughts on Santiago de Cuba? Yes. So, again, sticking with my theme, when this when you pulled this out, I was like, "What are we doing?" Um, <laughs> and I will say this: the one problem I had with this game was the little shield, the little tile car thing that you build to like hide your pieces right oh that thing was yeah. so small yeah i'm like this 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 needs to be larger we ended up both like i ended up pulling like a putting a dice tray up rob had this really nice wooden rectangle dice tray that i just stuck upright <laughs> <laughs> and just put my stuff behind it because it's like i can't i can't keep trying to move the stuff out of here and get to what I need. And I'm like, they needed to make that a little bigger. Um, that's the only failing I saw in the game. Make that thing bigger. However, <clears throat> I loved the way, cause when you first were talking about it, 
And I'm like, okay, so this board, like we're moving around this path, but why are we sharing a car? I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, I don't understand how we're going to move when we have to move the same car. And like, once we started, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, because you can totally hose someone over. Um, like if I know that, like you did it to me once because you know I was hitting the lawyer. And so you closed the lawyer and I, I thought you were going to, I think I closed one on you to keep you from getting something that I, I thought you were going to go for. It's like, you can close the building down in front of you. So yeah, then it's like the car to, passes. Right. And so like, if it's the one right in front of you, then I can force you to spend money because you can't go to the freebie in front of you. You have to go past it and pay to go to the next one. So it's like, it's, you know, I'm like, that was just kind of a neat little kind of mean mechanic, but not totally jerky. But um, and then like, yeah, it's like, OK, I, I'm planning out which which town people I want to visit. And the next thing I know, you decide not to go one forward. You go two or three forward and take it or you take the car past the one I was, you know, planning yeah. to go to so i can't get to it you know and it was just like and here you're dropping money and i know you're going ha, ha, sucker you're not getting what you wanted um and then uh so i just that was really unique um <clears throat> and then the goods and you're trying to get goods that are needed which are constantly changing and then you got the buildings that you can you know you can buy a building so that if if and i know i got the wrong one i did it I think by the time I caught on, it was too late. I didn't grab the buildings I should have, but I still think I did a good job with the ones that I claimed that, you know, if you're going to go for victory point, you're going to give me one at the same time type of thing. Um, but I missed the one where you could, I, I thought the first one that was out was like a red and a black. I thought it was exchanging a red for a black and then realized much later it was like you were exchanging them for like two victory points each. Um, and I was like, crap, that's the building I should have taken. Um, but, and I, and I, it, it, yeah, it's the whole moving around the port and you're, you know, and getting your goods and then trying to beat each other to get those goods turned in for money. Um, and then being able to change the exchange rate of the goods and stuff like that. I just like, you know, that's like really neat. Cause again, you could be jerky. Like maybe the goods are up to three or four dollar four coins a uh a per good and if i know we're coming around and i don't have anything that's needed and i and i'm guessing that you've got quite a few i can go to that flag building and lower the rate that you're gonna get you know so there there's a lot of like little jerky moves you can do towards the other player but they're not like brutally terrible but they're just little jerky moves kind of you know, but it's, it's, it can be used against you as well. Um, I, it was really cool. Again, it was like this. And the one thing that I gained out of, and I, I think I can say it at this point. Um, the one thing I walked away from this weekend was I even said to you, I have got to start being open to play more stuff. And I am, I am very open to playing anything. I, I was, I was like, whatever you want to put out, I'll play, but I've got to start. I got to stop going when the game comes out go, or even when the box is on the table, stop rolling my eyes. 
right. going, oh crap, you being know, judgmental on theme or exactly, yeah, exactly, you know, um, because it's just like I had so much fun with all of these games, and even the one I said was the heh, the mediocre one, I still enjoyed it. It just that was the only one that didn't work for me. Everything else was like. Holy crap, this is fun. And and almost every single one of them, I prejudged it as soon as the box came out or <laughs> yeah. the 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 the, ta- the the board was put out. And I'm just oh, okay, here we go. You know, but you know, after the third day, I'm like, okay. <laughs> What's next? Rob's not steered me wrong yeah, yet. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. what other ugly looking game do you have that's gonna be <laughs> awesome, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I this was fantastic. Um, it was one of those that I would have liked to have actually played it again, but it was very late. Yeah. And this was the last night before I was before I left. So it's like I've got to we gotta get the best. And and it had yeah. been a long day of gaming. Yeah. Um this was I think our longest. And uh yeah, it was a so and I know by the end of this game I was like and I don't know what, I think I was getting very tired because I remember like I started out what I felt like really strong. I was getting goods. I was cashing them in. I was getting XP or victory points. And, and then by like about halfway through all of a sudden, it just seemed like I couldn't get a good to save my life. I, everything just seemed to go the wrong way. Blame it on and, dinner. Dinner kicked in the, the car. Uh, it, it, it was late. Yeah, it was late. We've been up late every night for days um and it was just like i think it just at that point because it was that day was i was there was a kind of a tired day but i remember specifically playing this game about halfway through just getting very tired but it's one that's like i want to play this game again Mm -hmm. you know this is one I definitely wanted to play again but it was just too late that night and it's on yukata so it's definitely playable. We can do it. Yeah, you know, but it is BGA different. and stuff is it's just yeah. not the same. Yeah, um, and sadly, we were going to play Castles of Burgundy. Oh yeah, we, we never did. Didn't. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how we missed it. Dang it! But because you got eight thousand games in your house, <clears throat> and every time I'd say, "Hey, Rob, let's let's how about this one." You would come to the table with six or seven more boxes of, we don't have to play them. They're just suggestions. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we'd play. Yeah. And then I go, you want to play a mean game or a light game? <laughs> so I gave options. San- yeah. yeah. This Santiago de Cuba, thumbs up all the way. I, I yeah. Very good game. And, and I really like the art on this game. It's, yes. It's like this very like vibrant. Um, you know, it, it really reminds me of like, it has like a Caribbean feel from like the forties or fifties or sixties. You know what I mean? It's, uh, they, they did, did a great job on the artwork on this. I enjoyed it. <laughs> so All right. you, you want to take the next two? Uh, um, start with sure. the level, level X. X. Yes. So. Again, this is kind of like Numeri, where it was rebranded to, to Moon Jump or whatever. Um, Level X, if you look for it on BGG, you're going to see something come up called Mountain Goats, 
<clears throat> and again, the I I now level X is probably this was my I would say my second favorite of these um easy play games. It it was probably the I'd say it's the it's the one that of the three. This is the one that had the most strategy to it. Um, oh yeah, mm-hmm. and and I really like this a lot. Um, and but again, this is one that's like I want it the one you have, like the copy. This the rebranding of some of this stuff into like mountain goats climbing. You know. Like why did, you didn't have to rebrand it? This is like perfect the way it is. Yeah, they um, they put like a theme on it and made the pieces cutesy. Whereas what Level X is, it's kind of a boring looking board. It's very colorful, and the it pieces is very colorful, yeah. they look like kind of like hourglasses, sort of. Yeah. You know, and anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, but it it's um I'm trying to find this mountain goat one and it's like it's it's just it's ugly i get the the goats are the, the middle mountain goats are cute they're they're funny looking and but it's just um i don't think it's as i think it's more blah than than the other one to be honest i like the the one you have um i don't like what i'm seeing at the mountain goat board so but it's in, you know, they got the bonuses. So if you can get one of each color, you know, the first person to get that gets a 15 bonus chip and you're, you're relying on the dice roll and, um, that yeah, was dice, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Four dice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's right. And you're using them to determine how you're going to, what you're going to play. And it's just, and you can kick people off of the, the scoring space and then they got to start over. And it's just, this was a lot of fun, a very easy game, very simple, but there is strategy to it. Like when you're rolling your dice, you're like, okay, do I want to, oh, I could take the nine or, well, maybe I want to get a six and then use the three with the five to get an eight or can something score me or should I use something multiple times to move further up to the score track or score two different numbers? It's just, it's, and it was just, yeah, good Good stuff. Good stuff. So, yeah, I'm just. I look, need this. <laughs> I was just looking at uh, mountain goats, and uh, there is no board. It uses cards to make out the board, so it is bigger. So it uses square cards that they remind me of the shape that of the ones in Ukronia, the buildings. So you have like. Uh, what I think four or five. Let me see if the top-down view. There's oh, four. Five I don't know what I was looking four, at. Four six this cards. Is... Three yeah, seven. This is very different. Yeah. This isn't bad, but I wouldn't want to put the cards out like the. the yeah, because they'll move I around. I guess they're cheap. <laughs> they'll move around. Putting one board out's easy. And I'm sorry printing all these different cards and printing all of these in different runs, different artwork, different numbers. You can't tell me that's cheaper than just printing out one tiny board. Yeah. Well, I don't believe that. Well, mountain goats does come in a tiny little box. So 
the cards are probably just a little bit smaller than the box. So it, uh, it's got a much smaller footprint on the shelf. Yeah, but level X was a small as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. And level X was 2010 Spiel des Jahres uh, recommended. How about that? Yeah, I wouldn't buy the Mountain Goat one. I would definitely try to get level level X. Ooh, Mountain Goats, sixteen bucks at Card House Games. Whatever. It's cheap. They can keep it. Oh wow! If it's not level X. It's cop. <laughs> so I was going to say, yeah, level X is available uh, for twenty euros. Uh, looks like it's available. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, through the geek market, looks like I can get it for like twenty-two bucks used. So, might have to try the geek market out and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk to you later after yeah. the show. <laughs> but yeah, great game. And uh, so you wanted me to talk about the next one as yeah. well. Yeah, and I'll finish okay. up. Okay. So then, so again, Rob had he was done with me winning. So he dominated Sunday and then he decided to throw me a bone and give me one last touch of victory by doing a co-op game. And that was called the game. And this was, um, the, you place out two cards that are, they said they have a number one on them. And then it basically has like an arrow pointing up and then a smaller number says 99 you put two cards out that say the number hundred and then an arrow pointing downward and then a number two. And the object is we each had what we have five cards in our hand, I think. And we are not allowed to talk to each other. Well, you can talk, but you can't say what numbers you have in your hand. And the, the goal is to play all the cards, if you can play all of the cards in the deck, then you're like the expert. You win the game, right? That's the only way to really win the game is to play all the cards. The So what you're doing is I have five cards all randomly drawn with all these different numbers. And the one you have two stacks that will build up from one to ninety nine and two that build from 100 down. So I can put a card on any stack. But obviously, if you're in when we first started, I was like. Okay, I can. I had, I think I had a 98 and a 97 in my hand. So I was like, now I can tell Rob. Well, I, I went for, I, you decide who goes first. So I told him, I said, I'm going to go first. I, I'm really good. At, I can start strong, but I'm, I'm hosed after that. And that's all I can tell him, right? So I can't say, well, I got a 98 and a 97, you know, and then I've got a 50 or 40. You can't tell what you have. So you're trying to communicate in kind of very vague ways. So he's like, all right, if you're confident, you can go, then go ahead. So I put down my 98, my 97, and then everything else I had was like between 30 and 50. So I'm like, I don't want to put any of that down because you you want to be as close to that number as you can because you don't want to, once I get that 100 deck, if we get that down to two, then we're, we're host. Like we can't put anything else on it. So you want to do it as slow as possible. Now, the only ability that we have to help us out is if we have a card. So, so say, um, say that deck gets down to an 87 
and then say um, a 97 comes up. Okay, I use a different card because I already played a 97. So say we get down to 72 on that same deck I was that was working our way down. If if Robber I has an 82, you can put it on top and go back 10 points. So it's like the only way you can go backwards on on either deck is to put a card 10, 10 points away from it in in the wrong direction. So it allows you to go back 10, which is a lifesaver. <laughs> it's like, yes. So you're looking for those opportunities in your hand of what can I play to hopefully go backwards on either track 10, 10 spaces to give you more leeway on playing cards. <clears throat> so it's it's it sounds easy. And when we first when we first start and I was like, well, this this is gonna be cake. Like I'm like, how hard can this be? Well, it's harder than it sounds. <laughs> and because uh, when you're talking, I remember one Rob's like, don't play on this deck. And you can say that it says in the rules, you can say, don't play this pile or whatnot. And I'm like, well, I was going to play there. And it was on, I think it was on the one. And I had a three in my hand. And he's saying, don't play there. And I'm like, and then I'm just like, how strong do you feel about that? And he's like, I feel strong. And I'm sitting there going, okay, so he must have a two. Okay, so I won't play there. I put something else down that hurt us on the other side by a much larger margin. So then it's his turn, and he puts down a six. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That was my best card. <laughs> but mine was better. <laughs> <laughs> I would have caused so, more damage. <laughs> so it's really fun because you're like, now you're trying to communicate, okay, what does, I'm, I have a very strong feeling that I'm, I, you know, that I should play here type of thing. You're trying to figure out, okay, we got to learn a language now. Like, am I really close or am I nine off? You know, am I, you know, but, uh, it was a lot of fun and we pulled it off. We, we got down to the end and it was getting, it was getting a little it was tough. close yeah. and we pulled it off and played every card and it was so satisfying. So just like, yes, we conquered this thing. Um, I ended up immediately buying the game. Now my complaint oh, yeah. on this is that the game version that's available today is not the same one that Rob has his cards have like this it looks like an evil fun it's funny that the box looks like it's got a skull on it and it's like red and black right everything looks like this like it might be a like this death game and we were commenting on it's like ooh the game because even says like will you play the game or will the game play you you know it says like on the box and and it's like ooh it's gonna kill you and it's got this ominous like Halloween you know horror type of theme to it but the cards are awesome like they're just they're all basically the same they're they're very easy to to see and like they they when they reprinted it it's got all these weird artworks and weird colors and it's like oh i hate this but it's like i want this game and it's like i really and maybe i should have looked into this geek market thing maybe someone's got it for sale but um I I, I freaking want this thing. Um, 
I, I truly want this game, <laughs> but I want the version that Rob had. Um, and and what's and, funny uh, is that when the game came out, uh, there were a lot of people that did not like the you know, like the black skull version, <laughs> which is maybe why they changed it. Uh, it it's so much better. I think this new one is going to be. I haven't played it. It just arrived today. Um, I am going to take it with me tomorrow, but it's, um, I just feel like, um, it's more distracting. Like you don't need the art and the different colors and all that to, it just needs to be about the numbers. Yeah. And that's why I think the, the artwork that on the deck you have is so much better. Um, it's just the numbers. You just need to focus on that. And, and the cards should not take away from the game. You know, some of them look like they're going to actually be a little hard to to see because of all the different colors. Yeah. So, I'll 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 give it a shot. I'll definitely report back when I get it played and 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 see how it works. But maybe it won't be that bad. But I definitely prefer the like the the version that you had the original. And and I know I told you this. Uh, I think while we were playing that. Uh, they had the game come out uh, at Target, and I want to say that it was an exclusive at some point where that's the, the current design that you bought. Uh, it was a Target exclusive. And then now that's like the only one that's out there because they probably stopped making the old one. And probably, and maybe yeah. the, the skull was off-putting to some people. Who knows? And then, uh, yeah, the, the last game that we finished up with, uh, actually, this is one, it's like we only had like an hour, hour and a half, I think, left uh, to play. And so I gave you the choice. I'm like, you want to do a deck builder or do you want to do sort of like a mean confrontational game? And you chose the deck builder. And I'm like, okay. So so we played Valley of the Kings. This is a deck builder from AEG that came out a couple years back. And uh, it's, I want to say, like a basic deck builder that's themed, you know, in, in Egyptian times. So think, you know, like King Tut pyramids kind of thing, you know, sarcophaguses and uh, and those uh, those black beetles. I'm thinking of like the mummy here. But uh, it's uh, it's a deck builder, so you know, think the typical you know discard pile, a draw deck, you know, hand of five. It, you know, some of the cards can be used, or the cards can be used for money. They can be used to play as actions. And the interesting thing about this game, that kind of is a little twist from all the others, is that you have a tomb. So what you do is you entomb cards. Uh, throughout the game and only the cards that are in your tomb count as points at the end of the game. So the tomb not only serves as a place to, you know, to put your victory cards in, but it also serves as a spot to get rid of cards from your deck. So all of those really weak um cards so there's the cards come in three levels level one two and three the the level three cards are really powerful they're also really expensive um but uh they're kind of the ones that like 
you know, give you some really like game changing actions. And when you're later in the game, you don't want those like one coin cards because uh, they're weak. You really, I mean, they're kludging up your deck. So you want to get rid of them and you do that uh, by putting them in your tomb. Alternatively, you can also sacrifice them. But most of the activities to sacrifice, meaning to uh, get the card out of the game altogether, like put put it back in the box style, almost uh, sacrificing. Um, the game pushes you to sacrifice the more expensive cards. So you don't necessarily want to uh, sacrifice the cheapies. Like there was one card that's like, what sacrifice a card and then take a card from the uh, from oh, the market, or they called it the pyramid. Take a card from the pyramid at like twice its value. Was it? Wasn't that the card, Mark? Yeah. 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 But uh, it's a fun, uh, very small box uh, deck builder that's very portable. And it's fun. And uh, I remember, Mark, you had mentioned it. You know, it doesn't have any extra stuff to it. It's just cards. So, you know, it doesn't have any tokens, doesn't have any money, doesn't have any counters. So it's... It's, uh, it's TSA approved. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, very TSA approved. That's <laughs> correct. But, uh, and then uh, one other fun thing about it is that uh, as you play the game, you place six cards out in front of you, but they're placed uh, in the shape of a pyramid. So you have three cards, then two cards above it, and then a single card, which is like the peak of the pyramid. And you can only purchase cards from the bottom row. And then as you take those cards, then they call it like the cards crumble down. So they like, uh, you know, slide down from above. Uh, to fill the spots underneath, and then only the top cards get replaced from the draw deck. So that's also an interesting uh, little mechanic that it's got built into it, and it can also help you like plan things. So if you see a card in the second or third row, you know you might be incentivized to take certain cards over others to make that card come down quicker, and. Uh, you know, be available for you to buy. And hopefully the, you know, your opponent doesn't pick them up instead. But uh, yeah, that's Valley of the Kings. Any thought on this one, Mark? I I liked it. I thought it was interesting because I remember telling you, it was like all the deck builders I've played are kind of like big, all, all sorts of different things, or you're, you have deck building as part of the game. Um, like my favorite is clank, you know, and you got a board and you're moving people around. This was just straight on cards and that's it. It was like you said, it's a small box and there's so much strategy and things. And I, I liked how the way that you place the cards in the pyramid and when and you take from the bottom and it, you know, so you got to think about, okay, if I'm taking this card here, that's going to come down. That's going to let, you know, your your opponents take it. <clears throat> so do you want to grab that one or hope they talk, you know, if it's something you want, then you, you know, you need to have the one that says shuffle some card or, you know, replace some cards or change their position and then buy it, you know, but then if you do that, maybe you won't have enough gold to buy it. it it's just, 
that it it is truly just 100% just a deck builder and that's it. And it was like the first one I've ever played that that's it. You know, um, I really thought that was really cool. Um, I, at first wasn't really digging the theme, but it, I like, I don't know the art and stuff and the different things that the cards do, um, really worked well. And it's like, I was kind of bummed that we ran out of time. Um, we didn't get to actually finish the game, but I, I don't think I was going to get much moving. I, I felt like I was struggling with it, but it's one that I'm definitely going to be playing this again. Um, I really think it was really cool and I can't wait to play it. Yeah. And this is one that really benefits from repeated plays because you, it, it really helps to know the cards a little bit because, and I forgot to mention this earlier, as you're entombing your cards, you know, to, to get them out of your hand, what you also want to do is build sets. So there's various sets in the game, like there's a, a number of amulets, a number of books. Um, and for example, if if you're doing amulets, if you're collecting a set, the set scores uh, how many ever you have in the set. So like, let's say if you have five of the set of amulets, then you score that number squared. So that would score you 25 points altogether. So you're not only trying to dump cards into the tomb, but you're also trying to put some cards in there of specific sets to score you the most victory points. And and they do have an interesting rule in there of while it's your turn, you cannot look through your deck. I think, or through your tomb. You can look at it, you know, when it's not your turn, but it's like when you need it most, you better remember. <laughs> you better remember what's in there and which cards you want to put in there to get your maximum points. But yeah, Valley of the Kings, uh, is a, it's a fun little game. Uh, very well done game by AEG. All right. So um, there's just one. So I think that's it. Yeah, that is all for the this board game life con 2024 recap. So we we talked about a lot of games. I think this is our longest episode so far. And it is. And, we I just looked a moment yeah, ago, and we're over two and a half hours. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we got one more game to talk about, and then uh, and then we're out of yeah, here. Yeah, then we're out of here. So we talked earlier. Um, so Rob about a game called Roll to the Top Journeys. So on that day that we went down to the city to have lunch and got stuck in traffic, um, we decided we were gonna. Rob's like, I had to run you to my two game shops, and so we got stuck in traffic going that way too. Um, but uh, at the first place we went, um, I, I we were looking and. I was like, you know, got to buy something, got to buy something, but I got to keep it small. So I picked up a game called Dice Command. Um, looked interesting and uh, couldn't find anything else. We're, we're getting ready to, we're, we're, I paid and I turned to walk out the store and I see this game standing there called Roll to the Top Journeys. And I'm like, I just saw a review on this. And so I stopped, I picked it up, I looked at it and I'm like, yes, 
yes, this is one I want. So I turned around and said, sorry, but I need this too. <clears throat> so we got back and, and um, played it. So World of the Top Journeys um, did come out in 2023. So it's, it's very new. Uh, it's published by All Play, um, designed by Peter Joustra and Korn von Morsel. I hope I said that right. Uh, it does play one to six players, and the playtime is like 20 minutes with ages 11 and up. This is a dice um, game, so it's roll and write. And basically, the, the quick rundown is you're trying to be the first player to fill in enough boxes to make it to the top of the landmark in this roll and write. It does have like, I would call it a medium-sized box. And what I mean by that is it's about half size of a traditional square um, box. Um, and it, the it's like pieces a quarter that, of the size almost of like a ticket to ride. Isn't it? Cause um, it's, it's not no, nowhere it's near half. as tall, but I mean, it's nowhere near as tall or, or thick. Right. Hold on. You don't need to get your, it's, uh, your yard. It's almost, <laughs> it's almost as tall. Oh, really? Almost. Oh, wow. It's, it's yeah. And it is about half the width. So, uh, so it's, it's a little less than, than half, but, um, anyways, it's closer to half than gotcha. a quarter. That's for sure. Okay. <laughs> um, included in the game is you get six different dice and they're all unique shapes. Now I say unique shapes, you know, and people are going to come out going, dude, it's a D 20, a D 12, um, a D four, eight, a six, and a four, but unique is in the four because the, the D four is not a pyramid. It is actually looks more like a gemstone. It's like four. Think of it like a rectangle with like diamond ends on it or something. It, it's really neat. It's kind of like a long dice that you roll. It, it's really cool looking. Um, you get six dry erase markers and then you get, um, there's three, there's a total of six landmarks. So like six boards, but you get three, <sighs> it, it's, it plays six people. I'm trying to figure out how to say it. six each of three different double-sided landmark dry erase boards. I guess I should have just read it as I wrote it earlier. Um, that makes sense. But anyways, there's enough to play six people. Um, it is, there's no colorblind note, Rob. Um, we've talked about that before in other games. There's no issues with that. Um, here it's extremely easy storage. Uh, the rules are very easy to read. There are some examples shown. Uh, the artwork in this game is just, it's really beautiful. I, I was impressed even with the box. So the box itself is mostly, it's a white and it's very colorful showing a bunch of the monuments, like coming out of like a D 20, on the die it's really actually very neat and then the the box itself and, it, and if you're looking straight at it you may not notice it but if you like when you tip the box you'll see like the dice shapes like embossed on the box and like as, as you and you can then they're raised like you can feel them um it's just really the box itself is gorgeous um and then all of the the cards that are the dry erase cards just have, you know, like one of the monuments is the Eiffel Tower. And um, 
it's it's just got beautiful Parisian artwork around and behind it, like, you know, setting the theme. Um, just gorgeous game. And then uh, it, one thing I'd say it's kind of special is that this is very quick to learn. I think it's very fun to play. And because it's based on on dice, there's a lot of replayability. Now, what's even more unique about this game is that you can roll up to five dice. We mentioned that there's there's the six-sided, the eight, 20, 12, and a four, but there's also another six-sided dice. <coughs> and, and whoever the active player is, they'll, they can roll, I think you can roll as many dice as you want of the ones for the board, but you always roll this other one. I forgot what it was called. Um, but this one that's black, it has some different symbols on it. doesn't have any numbers. It just has symbols like plus, minus, these arrows pointing either way, stuff like that. So what happens is you roll them. So I'm going to say I'm going to roll three dice. Then we're going to start playing with three dice, and I'm going to roll this additional one. So I roll those four. The black one comes up, and it has a plus on it. I put that in front of Rob. Now, the numbers that came up on the other three are the numbers that we have to either combine the numbers or use them individually and write on your, your board. And what you're doing is you're placing the number and you're going to put these numbers from the bottom to the top of your landmark. But each, as you move up the number above that. So the next level, that number has to be equal to or higher than the numbers below. And when you're, and when you're rolling five dice and you, you hit like a 20, you know, roll D20 at the very beginning of the game. You're like, you can't really use it because it's like, where do I put it? You Do you put it all the way at the top? Well, you don't know. You might hit 20 somewhere in the halfway up, up your, uh, of your, of your monument. So you might have to say, well, I might have to skip using that one. And you're trying to get low numbers to start. And maybe you're rolling dice that don't, you know, you want the smaller sided dice to get those lower numbers. So so we had the three dice. We put our numbers on our card. We can use any numbers we want. And you can combine numbers to make larger numbers. And when we're both done, then I pass the dice to Rob. Now, Rob, remember I passed one to him at the beginning of the game. It had a plus on it. That means he has to add one of the two dice we didn't put in the pool. And he can pick either one, but he has to pull one in. And now he's going to roll that black dice again. So now he's rolling total of five dice. He rolls those. The black one comes up with two arrows. He passes that to me. And then we use the numbers on the other dice he rolled. And you go back and forth until someone has completely filled every box in their monument. Um, now, the dice that had the arrows on it, that means I take one of the dice at the end of that round. I would take one of the dice that's in the pool, replace it with one that's not in the pool. So your dice are constantly changing out the, the chances of what you're going to roll. You never know what it's going to be because you've got such a variation of dice and you never know which one, you know, you can't count on the, the four die, the D four being there if you need it. Um, and then you basically, the first person that fill, completely fills their monument wins. Um, if both people, like if both run, I think the first game, uh, I'll have to go back and look, but I, I think both, no, I won one, you won one. But if, um, if we had, 
both completed at the same time, then it's a win. Now, there are rules that allow you to um, play multiple games and then you add up, you basically keep track of the squares you missed and then like whoever has the most misses loses or something to that. Then they also have an alteration to make the game harder is if you find it too easy, then uh, you can start with high numbers and working your way up and having to get lower and lower numbers as you go. And they state that that is a much harder way of playing the game. So um, if you find it the, the base way too hard, you can you can play it that way. Um, the the the, the di- everything about the game was really well done. I think my only complaint was, it, and maybe it's just the marker I had, um, was a very fine tipped marker, and I felt that it needed to be a little not so fine pointed. Um, it wasn't I, I, like my numbers weren't writing and couldn't get enough dark uh, ink on the thing. And again, that might just be the marker itself. I didn't try another one, but um, sometimes with those you just need to get different felt tip pen. But the, the, the cards, the boards are fantastic. Um, they come in this nice little envelope. So like the first two, there's like six cards of the first two levels, which is a, a pyramid and the Eiffel Tower. Uh, they come in an envelope. Inside the envelope is a postcard that has a story on it. So basically, you know, the story is like you're, you're, this artist is taking a journey around the world and, you know, seeing all these monuments and there's like this little story and this postcard kind of tells you the story of it. So that's kind of a neat little um, thing that like they really didn't have to do, you know, but everything's very good quality, uh, very easy to read. It's a nice big cards. The, the cards you're writing on are big. They're not tiny. Um, I just really think this is a fantastic roll and write. Um, probably one of my favorites that I've, that I've come across yet. Um, Let's see. Uh, there's only four pages in the rule book. Super easy to read. Super colorful. They do show you examples of, of how to score it. Um, the length of play is really limited to uh, how long it takes someone to, to, to fill in all their squares. Um, so, again, a game could be quick, depending on your luck of the roll, or it could be a little longer. Um, but I don't think you're going to spend more than 30 minutes in a, in a round. Um, and I think, uh, I really think that's about it. Um, I would just say that it's easy to pick up. The advertised play time on the box is correct. Um, some of the pros, again, I, I've talked quite a bit about it, but it's easy for games of all, gamers of all types to learn. It's quick to play. The dice allow for different game each time, as I explained earlier. Um, if I had to put a con, it would be maybe the marker should not be as a sharp-pointed tip that's it like that's 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 the worst i can do yeah, that, um, is it that fun? sharp tip yeah. will probably go away fairly quickly probably yeah and, maybe and as the markers dry out <laughs> exactly that's so annoying but i'm saying yeah. if that's if if i have to give it a con that's the only thing i can come up with yeah so and, and it um, comes with and it comes with those little teeny tiny little erasers that are like on top of the oh, on top of the marker yeah. come on yeah grab a napkin <laughs> grab a tissue just Wipe that thing off in one shot. There you go. <laughs> yeah, not sit there scrubbing at it all day. Forget that. So my my final thoughts: Is it fun? Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. Um, would I recommend it? Absolutely. This should be in every gamer's library, especially if you love roll and writes. Um, and uh, 
who would like it? Casual gamers or gamers looking for a fun roll and write to start or end a game night. It, I, I think, uh, again, your seasoned gamers, this will be in my game. I'm taking this tomorrow. We're going to play it. I've got some really good diehard lifelong gamers that still love games like this too. Um, and is it replayable? Absolutely. The ability to r- race your boards and the, the, the differences with, you never know what dice will be in the game and the different types of dice, the variety of numbers. Absolutely. It's replayable. Um, absolutely. I give this game a, a 10 myself. If I had to score it on BGG, I gave it a 10 on BGG, but, um, Rob, uh, I'm done with that. Uh, any any thoughts that you had as well no, on this game? Yeah, I I really enjoyed this game as well. Uh, I I have a soft spot for a lot of uh, rolling rights. You know, some of them I really don't care for. It's few and far in between. Like I I really didn't like bricks, for example. It's like a funky Tetris one, but uh, this one is is really nice. I, I enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, this would definitely be one that uh, I may pick up. So if if I go back uh, to that store anytime soon and they have it, I'll probably snag myself a copy just because uh, I, I enjoy it. And, uh, yeah, so that's that. So, yeah, we're a couple minutes short of, of three hours. Do, do we tie up another uh, three minutes uh, <laughs> to eclipse it? No. I don't think so. We're close enough. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So let's take it out here. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, hope you liked uh, hearing about all the games that we played over this past weekend on this board game life con number one, 2024 edition. Um, and we'll go back to our regularly scheduled programming in two weeks. I'm Rob. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Catch you all in two weeks. And uh, I will say this won't be the last con. We'll be doing the next one. It'll be this Board Game Live Con 2025. The West. We'll be doing it West out Campus. Here in, <laughs> West Campus out here in my background. Yeah. So in my library. But, um, yep, uh, we will. Thanks again for listening. Um, we'll see you guys at the table.